0: Oh my God! And it's your boy Roshan Gomez. You are listening to the Rumor Roy podcast. Special guest in the house. Before I introduce him, I have to say, when I first started out the podcast, one of the best compliments I would often get is that you're like the dumb man's BFM. (laughs) You're the poor man's BFM. (laughs) You make you're like BFM light. (laughs) So it's really a a moment of privilege for me to have someone who used to be on BFM, a broadcaster from BFM. uh content creator uh, and now financial advisor right financial planner financial planner uh, i think you can recognize his name mr roshan karnison hey roy uh, no sorry <laughs> see
1: see we just talked about this we right? just
0: spoke about this i understand and it happens best, all the
1: time and the best part is our names are the same <laughs> our you, names are the exact you same. have an extra actually, e you don't actually I take it back you have no excuse i have none none whatsoever <laughs> so uh, i'm just gonna go back into 30 seconds in time and <laughs> yeah. be like Hey Roshan! a pleasure to be on the show. I, I have to say you have a beautiful name, man. You
0: Thank have you. a beautiful name. You too, you too.
1: Um, your, your spelling is a bit more, uh, a, a, little, a bit longer than mine, a, a little, but yeah. the pronunciation is still chef's kiss. Perfect, you know? perfect. Great names. Um, do you get like that Dota reference? Oh yeah. Uh, oh. My, my Most of my secondary school life was, was people came up to me. Roshan, level 25? Yeah. That was my, that was my
0: experience as yeah, well. Yeah, man.
1: And in high school, I didn't play Dota. I didn't play Dota either. Oh,
0: man. Mm-hmm. So this is the struggles of the everyday Roshan. The <laughs> yeah, struggles of the everyday Roshan. All the other Russians out there, Roshan rock, that Roshan on TikTok. There's another Roshan who's in broadcasting as well, right? Oh, Roshan Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. your astro. Uh, shout out, man. We understand your pain. Yeah,
1: actually, quite a few, uh, few Roshans out there. His
0: struggles. Yeah. You know, the insults
1: he got in high school probably pivoted you to excel. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, you know, I still used, used to get... Um, so on my, my... I mean, this is a podcast so people can't see this but yeah. my right hand, I've got like a double double thumb which right. is ri- very Ritik Roshan-esque. Oh yeah, that's So there true. were also those uh, parallels that people made and they were yeah. like, wow, you mentioned Ritik Roshan. I was like, <laughs> I wish. I, I, I really wish. Um, but yeah, man. I got that from
0: like the Malay teachers because actually back in the day, yeah. I was just thinking about how now how like so many people are into Korean dramas now but back in the day, there actually used to be Hindi movies. Yep. Like now, now Malay girls like you know if like a Korean actor comes down, they are flocking the mall, right? But back in the day, it
1: was actually Hindi actors like oh, Bollywood man. Bollywood yeah. is huge uh, with the Malay demographic for sure. Yeah, but I don't know. I do, as now I don't think I as no much, right? Yeah, I don't. I, I actually I wouldn't say either way. Mm. Um, maybe it's just a generational thing. Yeah, definitely. Right now, I'm just speculating. So. <laughs>
0: because when I was uh, like growing up. I would have my Malay teachers, Oh, Rosham, no. Oh, Hitrik Roshan, you yeah. know, like those kind of basing, uh, yeah. as long as it sounded the same. Like. Yeah. But yeah, I used to get a lot of like the stun me, stun me, you know, from the Dota players. Yeah.
1: yeah
0: and so I just, like, I, I was this. like, is there some? I just, something didn't click until someone explained to me what Dota was all about.
1: Yeah. No, that, that was uh, a big part of uh, being a 15 year old at that point, 15, 16, <laughs> 17, 18. Yeah. Um, Especially when it first started. And yeah. then that was, yeah.
0: It was crazy, man. And it was always Chinese boys because most of more yeah. often than not, they were playing in Pretty much.
1: Pretty much. Uh, man, so thank you so much for coming over. It was my pleasure, man. It was, I felt like I was going outstation a little bit. um. But hey, so I just got my new car. I got my Beza. Oh, really? I just filled the petrol up for the first time. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, okay, let's take a little excursion out yeah, into yeah. the depths of Sumayabu.
0: Oh. Yeah, it's like driving a Langkawi, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have to
1: give you context, right? So... I don't go many places. Okay. I'm a homebody. So right. like for me, like if I can get away with people coming to my area, I will always do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people want to go like, I want to go makan 20, 30 minutes away. day. I'm like, do we really need to? Like there's a place around the corner. It's like, Roshan, be more adventurous. <laughs> like, no, I'm boring guys. I didn't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's like that. So, Um, actually I think Vishal's been on the podcast before so he always gives me flack for this yeah
0: Vishal you know Vishal is like uh, uh, what do you call it like he looks and feels like a wanderluster you know you talk to him he's like he'll be like yeah my favourite my favourite memory is having coffee on the mountain with the sunrise
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man Yeah he, he is a, He's a foodie guy he, Like he will go He will drive places So he's a car guy And a food guy I so think he's he will- an
0: experienced guy You know He just I, I never met someone Who loves life As much as Michelle. Like he's experiencing it To the fullest I'm like you totally and Like I'm in Sungai Bulo. I've been in Sungai Bulo The whole of my life Honestly, I've never been past this Taman. I don't know what is good in Sweden. Guys, we got to get Roshan out of Sunebola.
1: Like <laughs> yeah. they, they, they came into the maybe, real world.
0: Maybe it's a Roshan thing. Like, we are, uh, we have some childhood trauma. We are afraid <laughs> that we go out, people will start attacking us with Dota references.
1: Yes, correct. <laughs> because once we go outside our areas, we become level 25 and then exactly. we really recognize as the Dota character.
0: Exactly. We have too much of power. <laughs> yeah, but um, you came from Jalan Ka
1: right? Yeah. Yeah, there was a bit of a journey. La. Yeah, man. It, uh, okay. Okay, okay I, I sound like a little brat, really. But it it was half an hour. But today, I think it's the... So, it's the second day of officially being an endemic. Yeah. And people are up full force. So, traffic was... Traffic, I think, was the busiest I've seen since two years ago when we first went into lockdown. Yeah. It was a crazy time.
0: I was flirting with going to bangsa yesterday night. I, I, oh, I just... Oh,
1: you would have. Oh, man. You
0: would be crazy because... I part of me was the reason why I wanted to go was because I wanted to feel the energy.
1: Hmm.
0: It would have been crazy. For right? you to go
1: there and come back here. Oh man.
0: <laughs> but the problem is I know I'm old enough now to know the consequences. I'm like, I, I think I better just come back home. I slept at like 10 o'clock at night. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so very well behaved. Um, I have to say, man, I've done this podcast for uh, over a year now. Um, a few intermissions here and there. Hmm. Um, I think you're like the first celebrity that I've ever had
1: I am not a celebrity right <laughs>
0: okay Richard. let me tell you why I got I told you I have stories right yes okay I have two reasons two reasons to justify your celebrity status okay, okay? number one yesterday I told my mom and dad so my mom and dad have been really supportive about this podcasting you know they will be in the house they will go upstairs of course they joke with family that you know I'm starving them and etc cetera, etc cetera. okay whatever right
1: that is A class parenting right there guys <laughs>
0: yeah. so I told my mom oh yeah you know uh, I'm having a podcast- Tomorrow at two o'clock because we're having a family function later at, in the evening. So I said two to four, we're done yeah, mm. or, or two uh, ish at, at, at about there la. So they know that right? Like, okay, okay, okay. Again. They said, Who's coming over? I was like, uh, Roshan, Roshan, Carnison, the one from BFM, BFM, Bf- Roshan Carnison, the morning one. La. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So she was wow, look excited, right? Okay, fine. Today morning, I wake up. My parents had gone to the market. They came back. Uh, so I opened the door then. My mom was like, What is the podcast? I was like, uh not now, two o'clock. Lah. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay, okay. Uh go video or audio. Just, like, just audio as <laughs> usual. Um, later, you take photos nah, with Roshan nah? I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? No, lah, he's, you know, memories and you know, like, what is this? This is the most excited my oh, mom man. has ever been for Your a mom. Podcast. Is so cute. And I and I kind of understand because now she's retired, but Easily for... And she actually uh, retired about the same time you uh, left BFM, right? But for the past few years,
1: every morning... Oh, man. Yeah. yeah her, a long journey. Yeah.
0: Ah. Her drive is listening to you. And she works in... um Oasis Damansara. So, it is a long drive for her. Oh, wow. That's
1: a cross-country track right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cross cross with, Clang with, Valley. With traffic, definitely. Yeah. 100%. So, like... It's I want. It's funny that how people build relationships. So like for her, she's heard you every mm. day, right? And so for you, uh, for her, you're like someone really special.
1: Yeah, that's that's the that's the key thing about radio. It's yeah. you know that the word you use there is relationship, and that's what it is. Yeah. Because every day people exactly what your mother's experiencing or experienced was, people are with you every day from six to ten. Now I may not see them, but. It's like, um, in, I guess this is the industry speak air quotes. It's like the, uh, the audience is the fourth person in the room right mm. there it's a mamak table we're all chatting together we're talking about politics and business and things like that it's just that one person is just listening as opposed to speaking or maybe their whatsapp in or tweet us back right um, but yeah you, you actually really do build a relationship with it and I, I do believe that and I think many people in radio do believe it is a relationship business
0: yeah it's crazy like even when you retired uh, not retired when you a bit young to retire <laughs> When uh? you pivoted you pivoted yes. careers right I because uh, I follow you on social media and like what like ultimate you know, Ultimate... Oh, yeah, that was... He that, was that was my moment dude. of, like, I have arrived in life. <laughs> dude, uh, Ultimate I, is a legit rap. And he's good. Like, if oh, you listen to him, he, he's, like, poetic. Yeah, uh, Ultimate
1: is great. And Ultimate is a legit celebrity, okay? <laughs> say, like, this is, like, verified status yeah. sort of celebrity. And then he uh, Instagram shares me or something because I was listening to Mambang. I was feeling that kind of <laughs> mood that day, right? Start my day. Right. And then he reshares my story and I'm like, did hmm. Ultimate just reshare my story and then mention the fact that Roshan is listening to this? Like he like he knows who I am. <laughs> oh man, that was that made my day. Didn't he like post like he and his kids listen to you? I
0: mean, listen yes, I on mean, the way to school. It's, dude, it's... It's crazy. Yeah, like, that, was a, that was a glorious
1: word my life. I think life. you had a
0: really good send off. Like, from, I saw that. I think you had a lot of love
1: uh, sent your way. Uh, you know, that's the, that was the really sad thing, right? It's yeah. unfortunately when you're leaving that you... So the, th- the thing about radio is that because you're isolated in what really looks like a fishbowl <laughs> right? uh, in the studio, um, you don't really feel that interaction, right? Like if someone's doing a live set, Mm. Uh, live, uh, a comic or something is doing a live set they can feel the audience do yeah. you know the 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 feeling the vibe radio you don't really feel that um, but then suddenly you get this wave of like yo where are you going mm. at the end I'm like oh shit like am I doing the right thing Yeah. Um, but you know we can get into those reasons later on I guess but yeah that was really surreal mm. to see that kind of to finally see that that you've made that kind of impact on people right mm. that like I think that was really what's the word humbling it Mm. like humbling is one but i was a bit in a bit of disbelief Mm. because you know it was also pandemic time Mm -hmm. and um it we we were of the opinion i guess that you know listenership was down because people weren't driving around Mm. but i didn't expect that kind of like send off Mm -hmm. it was really quite incredible
0: yeah i guess you even though people were not tuning in as much you were in the psyche of the the of yeah, our maybe. people, like you, you know, for me, so I don't listen to BFM on a daily, but like for me, people like Sherat Kutan, uh, you know, Kusu all these people are people that I embedded in my, like, I know
1: them, yeah, you know, associated like, with the brand, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and they are, I mean, legends, right? Yeah, even though Sherat's not there, even though Sherat's not yeah. there, you know, and it's the syn- it's a synonymity. I think I made up that word, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's kind of, they become synonymous with your your relationship with that with a certain part of your life mm. with the station.
0: And they become part of the Malaysian uh, mm. landscape. They become part of the culture, at least for the English speaking community.
1: Right, like, right, or right. The Clang the <laughs> Valley English speaking community. Yeah. yeah. So
0: do you have any regrets?
1: Do I have regrets leaving BFM? Yeah. Uh, I don't have regrets leaving BFM because the reasons I did it were what I believe to be the right reasons. Mm. I miss it. A, I miss it a lot though. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, it was by no means an easy decision. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, it came back down to, I needed to do other things. I needed to experience other jobs as well, I've, I believe. Like, mm. And a lot of this ties back to my own very personal passion around uh, money and personal finance. Mm. I wanted to go from just being uh, an interviewer and commentator on this to seeing become a practitioner, right? So that's why I entered the financial planning industry to become a practitioner. To uh, I'm also a, a trainer now as well. So we do training with employees uh, of companies of course employees work for companies Um, (laughs) and then we also do uh, client I mean I have one-on-one client uh, meetings and uh, advice that sort of thing planning sessions with them Mm. so it has been it's actually been just over six months um, since all this has happened so no regrets making this step of the journey Um, I do miss radio a lot Uh, I do miss ring and sense a lot Mm. Um, but you know uh, I met uh, I met my former boss Malik about two weeks ago. He was finally back from Singapore. Right. Um, also
0: another legend, by the way. Also
1: another legend. Yeah. Because when
0: BFM first started up, everyone thought it was like a joke kind of station, mm. you know. So for him to like, yeah, it was like a David Goliath kind of. Uh, it was. So,
1: yeah. uh, it was. And there's a lot of stories around like it started around the global financial crisis as well. So all sorts of things. Um, but when Malik asked whether it's something along the lines of like. You know, would I ever come back? And the, uh, the answer is, I'll never say never. Right? right. Because deep down inside, I do believe that content is a big part of who I am. Yeah. Uh, whether it's broadcasting, vlogging, Instagram, whatever, whatever kind of like this conversational nature, this, this, this slightly na- no, not slightly, this narcissistic need to express oneself in a <laughs> in a public space. You know. Yeah. It is. It is. It is part narcissism, but. It's hopefully not to a point where it is too much. In, you know. Like, it's complex. It's
0: a complex thing. That, yeah. that we all want to be heard. Yeah. And especially if you feel like you have something to say. Correct. Narcissism and confidence, I think the lines are very... Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: there's a line where there, there's always a balancing act, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, I do believe that that is going to be a part of my life. And I do, I can honestly say that I miss... I miss greeting the Clang Valley every morning. Mm. Um, that was a rush that really you just don't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um you're live at uh for during the pandemic we were live at seven, but usually it's six AM, right? And my favorite thing to do is anchor the show. Right. Um so I got to do that uh for the last few weeks uh when I was on air. And there's just something about saying uh BFM 89.9, nine point nine, good morning, you know, <laughs> listening to the morning run. Right. I'm Roshan Connison. And just Throwing out your because it matters, right? How you start the show matters. You have to ensure that you have enough energy and exuberance and to help people start on a positive note, but at the same time, not be to not be too, not overdo it, you know, and then end up being like slightly clownish. It's yeah. a balance that I think. And try also
0: try. Uh, I guess projecting the almost authentic self because Correct. Yeah. you know, people are so allergic to fakeness. Oh, yeah, in any form. And actually, professionalism is not fakeness, right? Professionalism mm. is your authentic self being expressed in a um, uh, in a more appropriate way, I suppose.
1: And I guess that would be tricky as well. Uh. Yeah, I guess it would be. Um, oh, the I think the also ironic was the fact that you know when I, it was my last few weeks on air, and I just let loose a little bit, you know, mm. in the sense that I let my personality exude itself, and I think that was the time I, one I had the most fun, but also. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, you sound, you're sounding really good on air now. You sound (laughs) like, like really like, not to say you sounded bad before this, but you're sounding like, you know, very confident, like you're having fun on air and that's like translating over the air. I was like, oh, this is what you feel like. I guess this is what happens when you feel like you've got nothing to lose, basically. Right.
0: Sometimes we are are the, we are our own obstacles, right? We get in our own way. Oh man. Do you remember the first day you ever did a broadcast on BFM?
1: Live show? Live show. Yeah live on air, okay so there are two there are two versions of this okay um so the first 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 like like really first was probably uh in twenty eighteen ish towards the end of uh, twenty eighteen and what was it it was a pre recorded session um well technically it's a recorded session there's no such thing as a pre recorded session so it was a recorded session that we were going to air and I was supposed to do the introduction for that um it came to me and this is all I had to do, you know, it's like 60 seconds of talking and I missed my mark because I had lost the note on the page. Mm. So I just, I just looked at blankly for a little bit and Melissa had come in and save me (laughs) essentially at that point. So that was completely embarrassing. Uh, that was the first, that's the original, but the real first day that I would consider was, um, my first full day on air. Um, I remember that it was a 6 a.m. shift, uh, 6 to 7. It was just a 6 to 7 because that's how they were easing me into it. Um, that was probably March 2019-ish. or I, All the dates are blur- blurring yeah, together. Yeah. But my first full day was with uh, Chuang and Sharids in uh, end of 2019, 2020, something around that time. How,
0: how nervous were you?
1: I'm always nervous for everything before it starts. Right. Um yeah, no, I was really nervous, actually. Even for the 6 a.m., I was really nervous. But once it starts, that all kind of washes away. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's now single swim, right? There is no... Uh, you don't have you, time to be nervous at there's this There's no point. time to be nervous. Yeah. You are live on air. There is no time to think about your nervousness. It's um, like being
0: thrown in a swimming pool. All you're focusing on is just swimming, right?
1: right. Yeah. Um, But I also... Maybe this is a personality thing, but I do believe that I, I thrive in those situations. I really just enjoy that live... I like... I, I just enjoy the broadcasting Mm. um being on air being on air with people even what we're doing right now like i feel truly alive like my (laughs) uh like this is a big part of who i am Mm. that's why i ask for for people who i mean none of you can see this because this is only audio Mm -hmm. but basically i stole roshan's headphones so that i can hear the audio waves because this is how i've basically operated for the last few years right right it's i don't know um I feel like I thrive in these kind of situations, even doing live events and moderation. Mm. Oh, I love doing uh, moderating events. Mm. It's one of my favorite things to do.
0: Nice, man. Nice. Um, before, um, I mean, I want to talk to you more about the BFM part of it, sure. especially the technical side because I have my own like <clears throat> sort of fan questions and, you know, <laughs> sure, you know, sure, I want to know a bit, little bit of the inside of how it goes on, right? But, um, I thought we could, okay, I have to <laughs> shout out iNaisa and Bradley, because I listened to their podcast, mm-hmm. uh, before to sort of in preparation for this episode. So, I'm building off on those conversations as well. All
1: ah, right, So those are the prequels. Right?
0: Those are the prequels. Okay. Like, you know, so I'm taking it and then like, you know, building on those, those conversations. So this is like, actually, this is not a prequel. This is like the, if oh, this is a three. trilogy, this is the part three. Ah, like. okay. So uh, shout out to uh, Bradley Lim's Mentors Among Us. That's his podcast. I and Seek to Speak. So you can go check out those episodes. I think they're quite good as well. Um... In, in both those episodes, you, you, you speak about your early life, you know, coming up and you're someone who has had a lot of struggles, right, growing up, uh, especially with, uh, I'm, I'm going to try, try to say this properly,
1: fibromyalgia, fibromyalgia. Yeah, close enough. Uh, I the I think that the pronunciation is fibromyalgia, right. but no one's ever actually told me, so I just, <laughs> just like okay,
0: yeah. And so growing up, you didn't know. Well, this basically happened, or you started to get symptoms when you were doing your IB,
1: correct, correct, correct. Um, yeah.
0: And so you ha- you were having all these massive symptoms, and you could not figure out what was going on, and then eventually you got this diagnosis. Yeah. right and i'm assuming that up to that point of being diagnosed and even after that diagnosis it was hella dealing with all those those symptoms right
1: yeah so like i guess what complicated it uh all right so let me break this down into a few things so Uh,
0: before that maybe you can explain to people what fibro so i'm gonna
1: i'm gonna include that in the breakdown as well so fibromyalgia is a diagnosis that's given to people who are facing multiple so it's So the first initial diagnosis I got was chronic fatigue syndrome in 2019. Uh, Sorry, 2009. Mixing the decades now. Uh, End of 2009. Because I was just perpetually tired. And it seemed like it stemmed from what they was later found out to be mycoplasma pneumonia, which is also commonly known as walking pneumonia. So you have pneumonia, but you have no major symptoms. So you keep walking around like nothing's wrong, but your lungs are getting shredded or whatever pneumonia does to you. Damn. Like even till today, I still feel some of those uh, impacts to my lung capacity and all of that. Um, but, and this is because I was doing my IB uh on a hill in the middle of India. It was part of the... For those who know what UWC is, I was doing it at the UWC in India uh, where it was cold and wet on the hill. And I was in, I was an 18-year-old who wasn't taking care of myself. So that was... Uh, a lot of things came into play. A lot. As
0: most 18-year-olds do.
1: Yeah, right? yeah. And I kind of overcorrected as well because before that, I was a very goody two-shoes kind of kid. Right. Uh, and then when I went here, it was like, I want to spend time with friends and do all these things. And you know... Um, it, the joke in uh, UWC or in IBs is that there are three S's and you can only choose two. Sleep, study, socialize. So which one do you pick? <laughs> I picked uh, study and socialize. Right. Um, and all these things kind of impact on my health. But anyway, that's a long explanation. Fibromyalgia uh, is... A diagnosis that I believe is given to people who have multiple symptoms that doctors can't otherwise explain, Mm. Um, but it also has some roots in rheumatology and uh, and some similarities to arthritis. I don't know the actual definitions here, uh, but the symptoms that I was facing were things like, uh, well, the chronic fatigue for sure, um, widespread pains, joint pains, um, uh, brain fog. Oh, that was the most terrible one because I kind of believe that I am my brain and if I can't use my brain, like who am I, right? Yeah. So that was so those were some of the really bad symptoms. Um those that went on for a few years. But what complicated matters was when I was in India, the reason why we couldn't find this was because I actually have I was born with a congenital heart defect. So I was born with a hole in my heart. So every time I, something happens or I feel sick or I'm tired, we always associate it with that. Right. So even though the hole was patched up when I was six months old and I got the I got a pacemaker at 15 still anytime before that where something was wrong it was always like oh is it the heart is the pacemaker is everything okay so everything is kind of overshadowed by that part mm. um and we even pulled out my adenoids because we thought it was a breathing issue at some point so it was a very confusing few years yeah ultimately it seems like it was fibromyalgia and after many years of trial and error on my own like lifestyle changes and things like that uh it seemed to be a metabolic issue again i'm not a doctor i'm just completely speaking from my own personal experiments and observations, but it seemed to be a a metabolic issue. And the minute I switched not the minute, but after I switched over to low carb intermittent fasting in, what was it? 2014, 2015, it's my life has only been onward and upward from there and from the health perspective.
0: Yeah. Because I was reading about this, um, um, Uh, fibromyalgia right and that there doesn't seem to be a cure for it no nor do people know why it happens no and in fact i i was actually talking to one of my friends who throughout the years of me knowing him uh and he also started in his early 20s you know um knee pain uh bad stomach issues um um TMJ and he's going around everywhere trying to figure it out and no one can give him a diagnosis, yeah. diagnosis right? So I was t- telling him, I listened to your episode. I said, maybe you should get checked for this because it really sounds like that.
1: Yeah, fibro is a, it's a disease It's a disease disease of or a, a illness of exclusion, which means they have to check everything else. Mm. So the how I got diagnosed was also very interesting. So I was living, I was living under the assumption I had chronic fatigue, which is again a parallel or kind of a similar thing, but without the pains. And I had sprained my ankle and it took about three months for it to recover. And I went to an orthopedic doctor to check it out. And he was checking my ankle. He's like, he also was always a bit confused. Like, why is it taking so long for this to recover? And I said, Doc, my other ankle and hurts as well. And also actually my my around my knee area hurts as well. And he's like, oh. And then he touched my other knee. Does this hurt? I said, yeah. All right. Then he touched a few other, what we call trigger or tender points, like either one. He said, okay. So normally you have like certain trigger points or tender points that are hurting right there's a signal of it say so, okay so there are two things this is it might be gout and I was like okay um, <laughs> great and it, or it might be this thing called fibromyalgia right that's right. our two current leading uh, diagnoses at this point so I had to we had to diagnose whether it was gout first and then exclude that and then kind of lead to that so when 10 years on yeah, 12 years on some number of years on I look at it and I'm like okay so sometimes fibromyalgia looks to be just like a label that's put on a collection of symptoms. Mm. But really, the invisible illness area or the uh, the brain fogs and all these different kinds of collection of symptoms, um, there are so many different, not autoimmune diseases, but mm. so many of these kinds of things that are happening right now that people can't explain. Right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Unfortunately,
0: there are a lot of autoimmune yeah. issues now. Like I have friends who have been diagnosed with uh, lupus Then it turns oh, yeah. out it's not lupus. Mm. You know, and it's a, like actually somewhat might be an autoimmune You know, it's that there are a lot of weird things going on. It's a very
1: confusing uh, area, right? And I mean, I went down the rabbit hole of all the different health things for years and years. In fact, Mm -hmm. one of the first... uh, One of the big things of... Actually, the reason I got into content was because I started a blog uh, during the heydays of the fibromyalgia to just be a therapy space. uh, But also I wanted to just like write about things. That translated... That became... Instagram mm. and I started using so I have an Instagram that no longer exists because I didn't want to be defined by, by, uh, by my condition um, and it was also very private There was a lot of details I shared everything like mm. my sleeping schedules my waking schedules, so that people in my family could understand uh, or at least keep up to date because I didn't like talking to them about it yeah uh, but I was okay writing about it or like posting pictures about it so I expressed myself through Instagram, uh, and then also con- con- this was the power of hashtags and community. Ten years ago, eight years ago, because through there, through the different, uh, I I got to go to other people's fibromyalgia accounts and then read what they were doing, and then I felt that like you said that I went through a lot of things in my life, and that is true. But I also have a lot of privilege because uh, my parents could afford to support me, uh, which mm-hmm. is a thing that actually a lot of people can't say, uh, especially when they're going through you know, the conditions like this, but they have to continue working to yeah, know, yeah. go day to day. So I thought, okay, let me try and channel this kind of privilege and see whether I can put it online out there so that other people can try out, right? Say, okay, I'm, I'm trying this out. Um, Does it work? Does it not work? And then kind of go through the motions of seeing how that played out. So I was trying to be as transparent as I could about what I was doing, what I was eating, um, I would, I, man, I would put like uh, basically daily food journals and daily activity journals and all of that. Right. Um, so yeah, that was, that eventually became the vlog. Yeah. Because the vlog's first 90 days was daily and it was meant to show the day in the life of someone who's dealing with fibromyalgia. So it, the first few episodes are um, very, very honest, let's just say. Hmm. So it's like, if I'm having a shit day, I'm having a shit day. If I'm having a uh, good day, I'm having a good day. And the kind of interminglings of all that that eventually led to this whole idea of, can I turn, use video for something else, which led to, oh, maybe I should intern at BFM to hmm. see whether, to learn how to produce content because I want to talk about business things and da da da, And then that, and I just stuck around. BFM. How things line up, right? Yeah. How things line up. Sometimes. Interesting maybe it, decade.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have two questions. My mind is going all over the place, but one, sure, bring, okay. bring it. One, I want to ask, um, do you regret how open you were, you know, back in the day? Because sometimes, um, how do I say this? Like I've had moments where I've been very open. I'm I'm a person who wears his heart on his sleeve generally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And sometimes social media is the worst platform for people like that Mm -hmm. because (laughs) actually some things you shouldn't be sharing. Yeah. Right. And at the moment it feels good. But then like five, six years down the road, you look back and you're like, oh damn what was i thinking
1: oh yeah you know so <laughs> have you had moments like that so i feel like that almost every day when i look at you know facebook does the the few Memories, years ago yeah, right yeah, yeah. and i have these random st- you know when statuses were a big deal right and i have these random statuses of like random quotes and i'm like who do, the, who do you think you are russian? like yeah so like 21 year old russian was a bit of a dumbass but i mean that's what we are right at, at every point in our lives we are dumbass to our future selves
0: that's very very true yeah
1: that's That's a a profound statement for today but um (laughs) it regrets um
0: about your openness about uh
1: i do not regret it but its time came to an end Mm. right because i didn't want to be again i didn't want my entire life to be defined by it Mm. um it, it it served its purpose uh for sharing for communicating with other people in the space um but after a certain time i didn't want to keep it I know this may be a bit insensitive or whatever, but I didn't want it to keep holding me back, especially yeah, you don't as want to I be progressed. Defined
0: by, yeah, you know, I don't want thing. to
1: be the fiber guy. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, um, and and, uh, and I put that, especially when I joined BFM, um, and I knew that the profile would become a bit bigger. I, I created an entirely new Instagram for that. Right, mm. I, ref- I basically refreshed my Instagram when I was an intern, mm. uh, a new account to keep that separate, and mm. even the private one. Eventually, I kind of just decommissioned because. Um, I don't want to have to separate... I, I'm not trying to separate my content sharing. I'm still going to share what I share. Yeah. But I just... That that phase of my life needs to be put in a box.
0: Yeah, I want to say this carefully. Like, I have a lot of respect for people who have... Uh, overcome struggles and hurdles and obstacles. Major respect, right? but there is a, a different level of gangster for a person who has overcome those things but it's just like a <laughs> subsection of their life do you know what I'm saying like you you respect this person so much and then you go through the rabbit hole and then you realise wow this person has done go, and gone through all of this and done all of this it's like you're, even like with our celebrities right sometimes you know you just watch them you're so you really really enjoy their performances or their content or whatever then you look down the rabbit hole and you realise oh shoot they went through all of this yeah. and your respect sort of Doubles because they don't flaunt it, you know. And I'm again, there is a space for like PSAs, there's a space for speaking out, but for people who like, there's just like an extra edge for people who are just like, I'm not going to be defined by this. This is something that's important. It's part of my life, but I want to do, I'm so much more than everything else, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I, it's a, it's a, it's a feature, not the, not the product, right? Essentially, yeah. it's a part of my life. It's a, it'll forever be an important part of my story, but, um, I didn't want it to be the story. For uh, sure. Yeah. And it was a big part of my of ten years of my life. Easily ten years of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I didn't I didn't want like I know people are doing this out of care and whatever. Uh it was like after a while it became always the first question was, Oh, how are you? How's the fibromyalgia? And they're all doing it out of care. Mm. Right? They want they out of sincerity. So it's not I not like I was offended by it, but it mm. was a matter of, um, yeah, I can't let this be the thing that overshadows the things that I want to do going forward. And yes. again, I can only do that with the privilege of having dealt with it, experimenting for many years and finding ways to cope with the symptoms, um, which I still deal with till today, right? I still have good and bad days. Uh, but the the mark of, I guess, being in a good space is the fact that bad days are now maybe once a month or something on average, right? It's a very, very far and in between. Where else last time it was maybe five days bad, two days good in a week, that sort Mm. of thing. And that ratio has changed over the last 15, wait, 14 years, something (laughs)
0: like that. I know you spoke about your privilege. I know you spoke about having a good uh, uh, family structure, a support system. Uh, I'm a bit uh, uh, Mm. counter-cultural in the sense that I think that it's very important to talk about systemic change, hundred percent. You know, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's true. This is not the counter cultural part of me again. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, and I think conversation should be had, but I feel like part of the the component that's being lost for me is like individual sovereignty, individual grit, ah. resilience. Because like you could have the most uh, helpful uh, government that gives you everything, you could have the most supportive family. But in the end of the day, right, you have to get yourself out of bed. Yeah. So like my question would be, and this is what I'm really interested in is, how did you like not sink into despair? Because you're, you're, you're dealing with so many things, right? You're dealing with something that you don't know what's going on. Hmm. And it's like, you keep on having issues and it, pacemaker. Now this, gout, you know, you know, all these different things. And at the same time, um... You're also looking at your friends' progress. And it's so tempting to say that life is so unfair... Like, why me? This sucks. And people, it's easy to get consumed by that, right? Yeah. But you don't have that disposition at all. You've, you know, to me, lah, right? I don't know whether you've dealt with that or what. So, yeah,
1: I'm just curious to know your thoughts. That's a great observation, uh, Russian, because it's very true. And I'm not saying that I didn't go through those bouts because I can tell you I did for sure. There were days where I was like, screw all of this. Why is this the way? Like, um, why is it, Why me? Why is it every time something happens? You know, like, oh, my health is always so shit um why why is it like this um but i guess part of it is if i don't do something about it then then what right the, the, the question is always i've always had this drive in me that won't quit la the 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 missions may be different but ultimately i i refuse to surrender because okay now we're going to get a little deep okay um and again if any of you are feeling um any form of kind of depression and any kind of semblance of even remote self-harm befrienders uh, there are many support services there talk to someone For right? sure. it's important uh but ultimately to me it came back to and i'm going to link it back to family russian because if i only thought about me i may have ended it a long time ago mm. but mm. i was like if i do that i am destroying so many other people's lives mm. right my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my two siblings are younger than me, one is nine years younger than me mm. i'm not going to be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. you know that was an anchor that kept me going because if like if I can't do it for myself, then i 'll do it for them. Mm. And eventually that built into something where, okay, I can, and this is sp- strictly speaking about the fibro time, because that was probably the most challenging time in my life. Mm. Uh, but even from before, even from when I was younger, uh, because of my thumbs, um, I was always teased as being an alien or a monster. So mm. I've always had this kind of, I like, guess. Really,
0: kids really do that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy um, to me. Or they'll freak out at seeing it. And that Pardon the language But that fucks you up As a kid Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also I have this Giant scar on my chest mm. So I never like Taking off my shirt Before PE or whatever To go in, You know You go to the boys You're among other boys yeah. And it's not like I have anything on my chest But I this giant scar That again People will see And slightly Slightly contoured chest a little bit Mm. and I was always very 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 self-conscious of this
0: Mm. at that age we all just want to conform we don't want to stand out at that age
1: correct yeah so that was always I guess kind of baked in a little Mm. bit or at least set that set the stage for later on because after that you know then the pacemaker comes in and then at 15 years old 16 years old I have to uh watch out while I'm playing football or, you know, and all these things as a 16 year old, you want to do, Mm. you know, I had to become more careful and already I was very careful, you know, growing up it was, uh, so what the hole in my heart meant was also there was the, what the congenital heart defect also meant was that my resting heart rate was lower than a normal kid. So it was usually around 48, 50 ish at resting. But when I would exercise, it would come back up. So doctors didn't want to put a pacemaker unless until absolutely necessary. So every time there was a breathlessness or I was tired or something like that, it was always like, a, oh, is it is it time? Is it like go and check, go see the doctor, that sort of thing. Uh, so it was a lot of precaution around it. But coming back to the main question that you asked, it was um, a lot of it came stemmed from the fact that I didn't want to hurt everybody else. So the strength came from if I can't do it for myself, mm. I will do it for other people, even if it's just to exist. Mm. Because just existing and living a decent enough life mm. will at least not hurt them. Yeah. And then eventually, I found ways to like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, how can I improve? And it starts with small steps. And um, uh, the great point uh, I think you mentioned there was, how do I deal with other people moving forward? Mm. Right. Oh, dude, it was tough. Um, I was uh BFM intern at 27. The rest of the interns were 24, 23, 22. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was. It's a, that's a matter for ego to deal with.
0: It's not easy. I think like starting your career at 27 mm-hmm. for a lot of people is very, very difficult. Oh,
1: very difficult. Very, very difficult. But I guess through Especially the, like
0: in an Asian kind of culture, yeah. like climate, right? Yeah.
1: And yeah. that's, I think, where, again, my parents come into the picture because they weren't there to pressure me to, my dad was like, you do what you need to do to get through this, right? You take your time with the, with the just get to the next step. Take it a step at a time.
0: I'm sure for your parents also, they're just happy that you're you're here. Today, yeah. You know, for yeah, them as yeah.
1: well. I mean, sometimes I think about it, right, um, for them when they had their first kid. Uh, I really put them through the ringer if you really mm. think about it. Like, first kid, congenital heart defect, need heart surgery. I mean, wow. Yeah. Like, round of applause perpetually for them, you know, like for just how much uh, they've gone through.
0: Yeah. But honestly, I was just listening to another podcast the other day and this uh they were interviewing this a comedian and she was sharing about how her daughter so has heart issues. And I think the daughter is only like seven years old and she's already had to go for like four ops. Right. Wow. And she's on medication every day, but she, the comedian was saying like, actually how she's so grateful and happy just because her daughter is there. Mm. You know, the fact that her daughter is there, she doesn't look at her daughter like, you know, as in like, I'm so afraid. I'm she, for her disposition is like, I'm so grateful. And in fact, it was so weird that I was listening to the episode because um, on that day, uh, because uh, I'm Catholic, I, so, you know, I'm, we, we have church WhatsApp groups and whatever, mm. right? So one of the groups uh, kind of uh, started coming to, became alive la, and basically, um, they were sharing about how one of our parishioners, a young couple, uh, they had a baby and, you know, just three days later, the baby passed away. Wow. Right? And so first child and dealing with that so that, you know, uh, I guess at that point, you know, however, however ill your child is, you're just grateful that your child is and you just want your child to to just come through, I like, mm. suppose. Because I think having, I just can't, can't imagine for a parent losing a child. It, it must be a, a horrible experience. Like.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, actually.
0: Because like with, with, uh, with your parents, right, you know it in the back of your mind, mm. right? You know, one day eventually your parents are going to go. Yeah. You might go before we don't know but more often than not your parents will go first. Yeah. So in your back of your mind you don't want to deal with it whatever but you
1: it's there. The worst thing for a parent I believe I I I feel uh, not yeah. I believe I feel like the worst thing for a parent is to go before uh, that your child goes before you. Yeah. Because you it's not even
0: contemplated. It's yeah. not even in the back of your mind right it's yeah. crazy man
1: wow we just like the we, mood, we just killed the mood <laughs>
0: uh, but, so everybody appreciate your family yeah. you know go hug them yeah. say I love you and yeah. everything
1: just to, just to round up I guess this this mood that we're in <laughs> uh, but yeah like, the strength and the resilience a lot of it yes I'm sure there's some inert part of me that's, that has that grit and resilience but yeah. a lot of it I think was cultivated and supported by my folks
0: yeah but you were also talking about the comparing
1: ah yes yeah. that was a good one so there was a quote somewhere on my Instagram right um I'm going to try and find it in a second, but this was a a, a written interview I did with a website called Positivity Lab, something like that, many, many years ago. And this was the question that was asked to me, how do I deal with that? Mm. And essentially, it took me many, many years to deal with that because it's always going to come back, that comparison that uh, I'm not doing as well. And here's the worst part, every time I would compare myself, I would speed up. My uh, when I had good days and then it would cause a flare-up and then I would go back three steps. So I would took two steps forward, took five back, you know, mm-hmm. and it kept that cycle. I kept hitting my head against a wall. Eventually, I learned the lesson of you got to do your own pace, man. Um, yeah. And the analogy eventually came up. And it was through the blog, actually, that this kind of... Rationale came out from it was essentially everyone has their roots, and sometimes your route is going to be a longer route, but the end destination will still be the same. Yep. Like coming to your house here in Sungai Bulo, I could have taken a longer route as well, right? <laughs> I could have taken a toll route, I could yeah. have taken a helicopter. The route is still the route, yeah. Um, how fast you get there, it depends on your own capabilities. And in life, all you can ever do is your best, yeah. That's it, you know, yeah. You're literally the best is your best, you can't do more than that, yeah. Um, and Once you've done that, the rest of it is in faith's hands, God's hands, life's plans, the forces hands, whatever. However you believe, um, it's basically out of your control. So then you just have to, I guess, calibrate expectations. So just, and again, this comes with a level of privilege because whatever it is, I still had, I lived with my parents and all of that. There was no monetary, uh, there was no large monetary component that was stressing me out too much at that point. Mm. Um, But yeah, um, doing your best and then dealing with that and taking the steps forward as you see because after about seven times ten times you realize that if i keep trying to accelerate my progress during the days where i'm feeling good but then take all that back i'm not letting my life compound essentially
0: yeah, it's a bit like uh people with uh, unhealthy relationships to uh, people with unhealthy relationships with food mm. so they want to lose weight and but they they see you know the Thors and the Chris Hemsworth of the world uh, yep. Chris Hemsworths of the world. Yep. So what they do is they just starve themselves, you know, which is effective for maybe a week. Then they crash, they binge like crazy, put on a bunch of weight. Then they look at Thor and Chris Hemsworth. They want to lose weight again. The the desire comes again. They you know starve themselves again, mm-hmm. and it just becomes this toxic cycle of starving yourself and then crashing starving yourself and crashing just because you want to do it quick
1: finding something that is sustainable um and goes over the long term is more important than something that's a quick fix but it's not sustainable yep. um and just i found the quote um that i this was from many many years ago uh, but the quote was i'm a lot slower than most of my peers but that only that it, that only concerns my ego what what's truly important is that I keep moving forward and a a big phrase that I kept using was KMF keep moving forward keep moving forward so that was really what it was because every time I identified that emotion I was like oh it's because of ego it's because I'm hanging around with friends from school and they're all doing like their banking and this and that and all of that I'm just like okay but you know my life my my life took a major left turn or right turn or whatever it didn't go straight right Uh because if you asked 18 year old roshan what he wanted he wanted to from uwc Mm -hmm. go study in the us after that and end up being an investment banker Mm -hmm. very different from the life i live right now but at the same time i believe that that roshan wouldn't have had the same maturity like i would not change my life right Mm -hmm. i would still be want to be where i am today because i don't know how that other life would turn out right with all of that so-called inverted commerce success get to my head? Would I become an asshole? Would I be tempted by, you know, all these sort of things like I built a lot of maturity over the last 10 years. Um, if I had just had a straight route up, would it have gotten to my head? I think that's the biggest uh, concern I guess I would have had uh, for that alternate parallel universe yeah. maybe if the multiverse of manners breaks out, I'll be able to see <laughs> it one day
0: yeah there, there might be a a, a dark uh, not a dark a evil Russian condition in an alternate timeline mm-hmm. right
1: the darkest timeline <laughs> the
0: darkest timeline for the community yeah. fans out there oh <laughs> uh, man yeah I'll bet right the, I'll bet the, <laughs> um, I was talking to a friend just the other day um, he's a he's younger he's about 25 26 then he was telling me because he did law then nothing really came of it in the sense that you know he's a bit lost now so he just started doing a small business you know working with a few friends uh but he's looking you know he was telling me how everyone else is progressing so much Mm -hmm. you know and everyone else is you know doctor you know becoming a doctor you know becoming a lawyer you know firm earning good money or whatever right Uh, But he feels like he hasn't even found what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, I'm so late. I'm late. I'm late. I said, dude, you're 26. So
1: late for what, right?
0: Yeah, you're 26. You know, if you start now and you just take your time and just find what you want, even if you get it done, even if you start at 27, 28, this business or whatever, right? In three, four years, you can have something substantial and having something substantial at age of 30 You're young, you know, it's not even you're old, you know. I mean, I've said this a few times, but I had a a friend. I mean, when I was studying uh, in the UK, I was in a house with with, uh, seven others. One of the guys was 26. Mm. We were all about 20, 21. So for Mm. us, he was very old, but he, this was his second degree. He had done a degree in engineering as well. Mm. So it was a second degree in law. So first it was like really old, really old, really old. But now with hindsight at 30, <laughs> when I look back, I realize that actually 26 is really young for a second degree. Yeah. So it's just like the weird way we look at uh time and also but
1: the the dangers of comparing. Right. It's relative, right? And uh, it's also a fine line. Like I I do see the benefit in having some level of peer pressure and comparison because mm-hmm. it keeps you driven or it keeps you moving forward or certain directions. It also keeps certain behaviors in check, right? If we had no comparison and no peer pressure, there'd be no laws and there'd be anarchy. <laughs> right. So there's there are scales to things. But sure. there's a difference between dictatorship and the libertarian's dreamland, you know, yeah. where everything is like individual rights. Yeah. Um and that that applies also to how you compare yourself with other people. Are you do you have a realistic comparison to other people. If you are trying to work out and you're comparing yourself to Chris Hemsworth, then you have a problem. Because that's not a realistic depiction of reality. Because not even they... Maintain those bodies. Yeah. Right? They have. Also, they've got trainers, nutritionists, workout studios. Everything is done. Is I mean, they have to still do the work. Yeah. But a lot of things have been removed. A lot of the obstacles have been removed. All of the most of us still have real lives and commitments and stuff like that. So having to aspire to that, I believe is an unrealistic expectation. They're getting paid to work out. Oh
0: yeah, it's,
1: yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. If it was your job to do to that, you'd probably look like that yeah. as well. And if you listen to those
0: guys talk about their trading... Oh, they hate it. They hate <laughs> it, man. They hate their diet. They hate the workouts. And they have to do crazy things. Like, I remember it's watching... It's also really
1: taxing on their bodies.
0: It's taxing on their bodies 100%. I remember watching an uh, interview with Chris Hemsworth. I think he said... Like before he's, you know, the helicopter scene, uh, Captain America, Mm. he's holding the helicopter to the whatever, Oh, Chris Evans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry, sorry, uh, Chris Evans, yeah. And he said like he had to dehydrate himself. Yes, he did. Before that scene. And that's essentially not drinking. Drinking water is the most essential of things (laughs) to your health. It is the number one thing. You cannot, once you stop drinking water, your body starts shutting down. Your brain starts shutting down, right? And so to purposely put yourself through that, you know, just to look good. It's just not feasible. Uh. Mm. Or oh, that guy who played Tarzan, I remember, like he's, he was shredded, right? <laughs> but there's a picture of him like, j- oh, sorry, a video of him just before the scene, just like pumping iron just before. Because they the moment they stop- Doing it for the shot. Yeah, because the moment they stop,
1: their muscles start decreasing already. Mm. so you, you won't get this, the kind of sharp- uh, Quote, uh, quote, ages, right? You won't have the same definition. definition yeah. right? That's the one. Um, but, you know, this is, again, not shitting on being healthy. Be healthy, right? You, being healthy is important. Do what you got to do to keep your health. But having realistic expectations is important. And mm. context towards your own life, right? You may have baggage that other people do not have. You may have responsibilities that other people don't have. So it, being able to cut slack in particular areas is important. Uh, but also measuring where you are and having an appropriate benchmark. So when I was going through what I was doing uh, with the fibro and all, it was not appropriate for me to benchmark against some of my school peers who maybe didn't have the the, the same hurdles at that point. So yeah. my new benchmark became uh, my, my classmates in Monash,
0: mm-hmm. right? When
1: I was studying there, right? Who were two, three years younger than me at that point, but who are my friends still today. But those were the benchmarks now right mm-hmm. like that group like okay where are we going together because i cannot now be comparing myself to the people who uh who are now th- kind of three years uh, ahead of me because i took collectively maybe two and a half years off maybe mm-hmm. a- around that time maybe two and a half three years in between if you collect all that time together not to mention 18 years of 18 years 18 months of um uh ib being burnt because i came back in the middle at the towards the end of that took a few months off and then started uh canadian preview at taylor's and then only uh went to monash and even at monash there was a one semester i took off so there were plenty stop starts in between
0: sure 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 um you were talking about um baggages right mm. um that's another thing um did you ever feel like guilty like, did you, ever, did you ever feel like a burden or did you ever feel guilty for for whatever you had? Like, okay, for example, with my friend that right, I was talking about, uh, who has all these sort of weird symptoms. So, one thing he realized was like sleep was super important. Yeah. Like, he needed to get his sleep in order. He needed to sleep early and he needed... Yeah, very, very important. Yeah. So, he... I think we had been like talking about going out and I think I called him out a few times at night, right? So, one moment... Uh, one point he had to text me and he said like, bro, you know, I just want to apologize. I, I can't come out. And you know, I'm kind of dealing with this right now. I'm so sorry, but I don't think I can meet you at night. Yeah. I, like, I probably can only meet you during the day. And I'm like, you don't, <laughs> for me, it's like, you don't have to apologize for that, man. Mm. That's your health. You know, I'm, what kind of friend would I be if I took offense to that? It's crazy. Yeah. You know, and I just wonder like, you know, again, I just, uh, the guilt you kind of weirdly have to feel because you feel like a
1: burden to other people, right? <laughs> it's weird, right? yeah it's weird but mm-hmm. i I did feel it, and you know that message that that example you gave it's like i can i totally did that for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. and there were many times that i had to i felt guilty for having to bail on things last minute because I was tired because i was uh i felt pain or because my brain wasn't working was foggy as shit, and I just couldn't operate properly um i had to i had to i would say that my yeah la, social life did did suffer for a while. Um, you know and then your friends I mean social dynamics change as well because they understand why you can't go out but that doesn't change the fact that they're still hanging out and you know the social dynamics may change without your involvement and that's just life yeah, right yeah. Um. but at that moment you have bigger fish to fry which is just figuring out how to get through the days and deal with that and then worry about the social dynamics later on. Although, mm. I would say that that's not how it... I also worried about the social dynamics and it just made everything worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, guilt was part and parcel. Guilt of being a burden. Guilt of letting people down mm. Um, for for a while. Um, for a while, you know, I think, uh, was it a, a, an artist or a band or whatever they're called The Chainsmokers and had they had this song uh, Don't Let Me Down mm. and I, I related to it a bit way too much but in like a parable of like that song being dedicated to in a a kind of reverse situation of me letting other people down Mm. or in a weird context. So me dedicating that song to myself, right? Like to my body for letting me down. Mm. Like the conversation is like, "Hey body, don't let me down. But (laughs) it's like, it's out of my control. So I do what I can and all of that. That's a bit of a rambly topic, but it's just as you were talking, that that came to mind. So I brought it up.
0: Is this the interesting... Facets of this, this you know what people go through, right? And mm. and I guess I, I would assume it might not be the case, but from my experience, meeting people who have gone through uh, challenges or hurdles or struggles from a young age, there's a different depth of character also, like, You know, and I can see it in you. I can see it in my friend. You know, it's just, I mean, it's hard to go through it, <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, I think for 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 you or for him also, I could do without it, but. I feel like maybe that's some consolation that you can take, like that, you know, it's, it's like you you your character, your your personality, the it's like looking at some if you could take away the person's physical looks and everyone just colors, the what the the strength of the colors, right, is so much more brighter. Uh, hmm. You know, if, if that it makes any sense. it sounds corny as hell. But anyway.
1: I mean, um, I guess thank you. But also, <laughs> you know, when you say things like that, it's like I think anyone else also in the similar situation would feel like imposter syndrome. Mm. Like, like, okay, yeah, but you know, really though? Like, do I, am I really like that? Mm. But I guess it's also a matter of perception who sees what. Um, yeah, I know. Like, I know I should say thank you to that, but yeah. part of me feels like I don't deserve it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. And you should feel that way, I suppose. Yeah, uh, that's the irony of the situation, isn't it? it. <laughs> if you were expecting it and you say, yep, you know. Yeah, <laughs> man. Like, MVP. Like, thank you. Thank you for this. Uh, I have traveled to the depth of darkness. About, ti- uh, <laughs>
1: about time you complimented me on my resilience. Uh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, I want to talk to you about BFM as well. You know, I'm such a, a nerd in that sense. Uh Uh, so many of my heroes are from BFM. I think um, BFM actually still holds the type of trust that we used to have in media. Uh, Like, I think growing up, we used to have a lot of trust in like CNN. Mm. Like that's the news, you know, it's like legit. Mm. But now uh, there's so much of distrust in the media Mm. because, uh, and I think rightly so, because I mean, you you might blame it on Trump, but now a lot of media is catering to a certain uh, demographic, whether you're a conservative or whether you're a liberal, it's content. at least yeah. in American, the mm-hmm. American landscape. Lah. But the good thing here in Malaysia, I mean, for, I feel like BFM has walked the line quite well. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember kind of like things back in the day, like GST and people were like, you know, like the, op, um, like the opposition at the time was speaking so badly against uh, GST. But you listen to BFM, then BFM is like, no, these are the pros and cons.
1: Yeah. Um, and we still like, okay, so first, thank you for that. Like, I, I'm still happy to hear that people feel like that about BFM because we've had many changes, you know, and sometimes people, again, like I said, radio is a relationship business. Um, But at the end of the day, especially for the morning shows, mm-hmm. we always try to position ourselves as it's business but also current affairs mixed together right mm. so with things like gst like how do we look at it from a fiscal fiscal responsibility angle now we need to fix the tax uh, hole gst was a great way of taxing of basically distributing the tax burden to consumption right You are now, it's an indirect wealth tax because you're taxing people who spend more. So the person who buys an iPhone pays 6% on that iPhone versus the person who buys a Huawei pays 6% on the Huawei. It is proportional to your expenditure. So if you spend less because you can't spend more than that, you're paying less tax and then you get exempted items in there. Um, So the idea is to make the people buying the bmw pay more taxes yeah right versus the person who's buying the produa yep. um
0: but if you heard the way people were talking correct. about gst at the time it was like gst was the, it, the road route.
1: it was the thing that they could blame yeah and also the context around it because unfortunately gst came a, a, about at the time of one, one mdb yep. so it looked like it was a thing to to close a gap in the coffers that was caused by one mdb i'm not in the know to know whether that's really the fact but i can tell you that from a tax perspective and a budget perspective um gst was probably one of the one a really good not a good thing right it was a very important thing from a fiscal perspective ssd doesn't do the same thing and even till today we have a very imbalanced tax base um of i mean yes uh, yeah we still have a very imbalanced tax base and government revenue is important mm. right because government expenditure keeps going up and government, government expenditure has gotten worse over the last two years, rightfully so because a lot of um, uh, social programs had to be put in place um, but also with the, the acknowledgement that there were limitations to how much we could spend, right? Mm, mm, mm. This is a whole long debate which also has been covered in BFM a few times. Um, <laughs> I think last year a uh, together an interview session between uh my former colleague Xiaoning and two tax uh people i think uh, Verinda jit singh and carmelo felito who talked about this right how do we change the tax code how do we improve the tax system to make it more equitable and basically close the tax gap that was actually quite a good conversation if you want to check that out mm. if you're interested in tax things essentially yeah or government things
0: but again that's why i like i could go to bfm and trust that there would be sort of a balanced view. Mm.
1: um
0: but um, And it's weird Because I think with you And the time that you were in BFM You would have been navigating like That was
1: a weird time man.
0: This, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy man I mean from Pakatan uh, uh, Coming to power And to the collapse of Pakatan The Sheraton Oof. move I'm not going to assume Your political uh, inclinations You might be a past supporter Perfectly fine Yeah yeah No
1: issue But you can't deny That those were crazy times Yeah we were in We were in studio Um, So actually it was a so I just celebrated my thirtieth birthday. We were in Bali, came back, <laughs> got back to work. Uh, sorry, had my friend's wedding at the same time. So we we did I did three things at the same time. Uh, my friend's wedding was in Bali. My birthday was thirtieth birthday was right after that, and then my siblings were down from wherever they were at that point. Um, so we said, okay, family holiday first for the first three days, then followed by my friend's wedding, and then the next three days we're going to do my birthday, all one shot, all in Bali. Hmm. So great lah. Felt like we were at the top of the world. You know, I'm 30 years old. Life is great. You know, da-da-da. Come back suddenly, oh, we're hearing about this virus. And then suddenly the government is falling. And I still remember that moment because there was a lot of talks about this. And I was doing, I used to do pub quizzes about nerdy things. Right. And I was at a pub quiz at that point. So my phone was away. And they were basically the bosses were asking us to be on standby, and then suddenly it's like come in, we're going to do shows on Saturday evening, and we did shows on Saturday evening. I went in on Sunday morning yeah. um, to do the show, and we were covering it as and when uh, we were getting commentators. It was a rolling um, from a production and professional standpoint. It was freaking exciting because it yeah. was a it basically we didn't know what was going what were we were going to talk about in the next half an hour, right? Yeah, yeah, rolling yeah. production. Uh, but that was the craziness. And then the next few days, the next few weeks was just what's happening. No one knows what's <laughs> happening. Um, we are talking to our, our friends and not friends in the government and, and different political parties and any contact that would speak. And it just like, there was so much, there was so much fluidity. And that was the key word for the next 18 to two years.
0: No one knew what was, go- fluid, what was going on. There.
1: Fluid political dynamics, which mm-hmm. is also, in a weird way, an important part of Malaysia's political maturation because I, I think so I yeah. agree with you because it the lines used, are not clear it
0: used to be a lot like a monopoly
1: yeah and the 1% person you know had the monopoly has been broken broken uh, and hopefully it remains broken and that we can see some new political lines being drawn up yep Um, I mean the Johor by-election recently has shown us that that may not be as clear cut as we see but also remember no, that the Johor yeah. by-election was only a what 52% turn up
0: yeah the Joe election is sad in the sense that it shows the problem with breaking the monopoly. Because I think if all the opposition mem- parties had come together, they would have won. <laughs> That's what I. Read. Yeah,
1: but the problem is like just to. I I know we don't want to talk too much about politics yeah, or so, yeah, but yeah. The, the 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 problem with that always is the fact that. Then we'll end up. Could we end up like Pakistan happened again? Because yeah, if true. they are, if their only commonality is <laughs> yeah. the hate of the other, true, 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 problems true. are going to cracks will happen again. So I want an opposition that believes in something together. True. And then, but you know what it showed? It showed that Bersatu is no more standing two years later. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 I think Muda got more popular votes than uh, Bersatu, yep. and actually Muda did relatively quite well considering this their first outing. Yep. Popular votes were quite strong. Um, So it's an exciting time for Malaysian politics. But unfortunately, because of the fluidity, especially over the last two years, people have suffered because of that. Yeah. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a swing back to um, the quote-unquote good old days of BN where things were stable. I really wouldn't be surprised to see that kind of resurgence.
0: There was always the criticism of opposition when BN was in power, that uh, there would be too much of instability. And it was, uh, I guess, a correct... Uh, criticism, you know, and also that people would become more conservative or more right wing, which is also true. But I, I, for me, I I mean, we're not going to, again, you could be a past supporter. We don't know. Yeah. Uh? I And I've not, we didn't talk about this
1: before. And uh, I have no political, uh, I'm not going to state my political intentions yeah, yeah. So as So my, well. my
0: own personal view is, I would prefer uh, incompetent government rather than, um, maybe cor- corrupt is not the right word, but uh, a government that is so, restrictive in terms of expression mm. and in terms of, th- you know, things of that order like uh, SOSMA or whatever, you know.
1: So in a, in, a, yeah. in a more relatable manner, you would prefer the US government over the Chinese government? 100%. Mm. I relate with you. On that, on 100%. That. And that's why I get, you know, you've triggered a chord in my heart yes. because
0: I get so annoyed when people complain about the US and don't speak out against China. I, I'm like, who do, you, who do you want the world power to be? Because if you the US collapse, collapses, it's going to be China. it's not going to be india it's not going to be russia. it's going to be China and I'm like, china is dude you know um I was talking to uh Vishal and Tash about the the tennis uh um the tennis lady you know she was in, she she plays for China mm. then she spoke about uh sexual she was sexually abused by some government official mm. right and she's a top tennis player. she disappeared bro, she disappeared. <laughs> Yeah. That would not happen in the United States. I mean, the U.S. is not perfect. They you, have some
1: skeletons. You'll get cancelled in the U.S., but you're still, you're, you're still there. you can still speak out. Yeah, you know, Joe Rogan is still kicking. <laughs> you know, like, or um, well, Will Smith is still around. You know, like, yeah. and, and you know, this is, I think, where I, the both of us have some. Uh, it's about the principles of the matter, right? The reason why the U.S. is the way it is is because it's saturated. It's uh, not saturated. It's plateaued. Right, it's gotten the policies to protect rights and things like that, and it's very deep. It's very, uh, it's not centralized. People like to think that the U.S. government is very centralized, and yes, the federal government is centralized, but there's a relationship they have with the states. Uh, each states have their own governments, have their own states' rights, have their own senates, have their own legislative bodies. Um, so there is a very complex structure at play. It's not a very one dimensional. Like oh, the president is the most powerful. In certain things, he can be, but it's not the de facto uh, situation, right? There are the states have rights. The federal government has rights. There's a relationship they work with. It's very similar to India. India is also um, states' rights are very strong. It's very fragmented. Uh, situation, which is also why you see it also being very messy in a lot of situations, but why some states can be way more ahead on than other states in certain matters. well that's not the same in China; it's very centralized, right? Um, and ultimately, this comes down to uh, again your own baggage, your own personality, your own psychology as well, because. I can, I can relate or I can empathise with people who believe that all this other thing like rights and freedom of speech all is like a privileged thing to have when more important is having food on the table and rightly so. I would believe that you know, when the U.S. first started, maybe they, you know, they had their own baggage. The reason the U.S. is the way it is when it started was because of the British Empire, mm. right? They were it was it was countercultural to be the way they were because they were basically uh, they had their own baggage from basically leaving the British and not wanting to end up being like that and having monarch, you know, all that sort yeah. of thing. So each time, there are always going to be concerns over having putting food on the table um, and that will always trump everything else for I think for the basal it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm. if you're worried about your physical and security needs you're not worried about your rights to speech and the government clamping down on things Mm. Um, and we can relate this back to the earlier conversation we were talking about uh, why GST became such a hot tip, a hot topic for the opposition. Because the opposition knew it would sell in the last election. It was a great topic for them to just use that and hammer,
0: yeah.
1: right? Use that and use 1MDB and just keep hammering at those yeah. two topics. Because what was it about? It was about money. Yeah, It
0: was about a rice bowl. Yep. It was about everyone's rice bowls. Because people are feeling... Uh, that life is difficult, mm-hmm. that they are being, you know, that there's so much of challenges and they need, it was so easy to blame it on the policies of the... Who's the
1: boogeyman, right, essentially?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I've spoken about this before in the past as well. I was interning with YB Ning Nazmi uh, during the elections. And, oh, nice. Um, that must my, have been an
1: interesting time.
0: It was, yeah. Because they they did not think, I mean, not YB Ning, but the, I think the... At the grassroots level, no one thought they would become yeah, the government. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know, like no one just, no one expected it. So <laughs> the, because no one expected it, they just went all out. Yeah. They did not plan to become the government. They were not thinking, let's have a five-step plan. Mm. They, their planning stopped at the elections ending. Yeah. Right, and so they were making promises left, right, and center. And they did this amazing thing. I mean, again, I really respect YB Nazmi. I respect a lot of people I met there, but I also um, lost respect for a lot of uh, at the time opposition uh, members because they would use there was this one phrase, they will, people will, they will promise all these things. Okay, we're going to abolish the tolls. We're going to abolish GST. You know all these promises, right? People ask, "How are you going to pay for it?" Now we're going to get rid of corruption.
1: Yep, um, that was the question we kept asking them um, every time they would say these things. Yep. I wasn't—I uh, was still an intern then, but I would hear uh, my well, then my bosses. Um, but basically, this is the same question: How are you going to pay for this? Yep, you can. I, I'm. I'm. No, it's great. Like. We want to do all these things, but how are you going to pay for it? Oh no, no leakages, leakages! Oh corruption, yeah. corruption! We're gonna, it's like yes, because that's an immediate solution to your problem, right? Um, and that was something they never answered, and that's that's the always the concerning thing because that is populism. Yeah, who cares about who's going to foot the bill? Um, we'll just promise things, put it in action, and pray that someone in the future can pay for it.
0: And that's kind of my personally uh My my worry about muda. Mm. I, I'm not like on the bandwagon of like, oh, you know, he's the, the future of the country. I'm really not on that bandwagon because I feel like Muda is so reactionary, mm. you know, like, oh, you know, we have so much problems with our government. You know what we need? We need young people, you yeah. know, and yeah, we need to get the gatekeepers out of the building. But the solution is not going to be young people because whether you're old or young, human beings are human
1: beings, you know. Sure. But it's also about, um, it's about increasing the proportion of, so, you know, whenever you have any kind of uh, positive, affirmative action policy, Mm. the affirmative action policy isn't there to replace the people that are currently benefiting from the status quo. It's actually just there to balance things out. Right. So yes, Moodle has to bang the drum of young people, young people, young people. But in reality, it's just really about increasing the proportion of maybe young MPs to 10% right. or 15% right. or 20%. Because right now, I mean, people are, young people are interested in politics. For sure. And you're now opening an avenue for them to think about politics as a career. Yeah, one of the one of my favorite interviews uh, when I was actually I was and as I was coming to my end at BFM, I did a conversation with Kira Yusri of Undi uh, Undi eighteen and uh, YB Lim Iwe, uh, Kampung Kampuntu Adun. Yeah. And I basically wanted to talk about young people in politics, right? This is a particular um, aside, personal finance and money. This is something I care about a lot as well, sure. because ultimately representation is important, whether it's about race, whether about gender, whether about age demographics. Now we have 60-year-olds predominantly deciding policy. Yeah. Do they know what's important to me?
0: Yeah. And And are they going
1: to be impacted by the policies? Correct. And I'm not saying that I know what a a 70-year-old wants. But that's why you have a parliament for. So that you have a representation of different demographics in one hall to shout at each other and get something across, right?
0: Yeah. I I just hope that muda is not only getting young people, but they're also... They're getting older people. Okay, th- yeah, that's fine. But also talking about like what I- what is good politics yeah, and yeah. what is mature politics. And, oh yeah, I see know, what you mean. I see you what know, you mean. It, it, it can't be just superficial. It, again, it, if it's just reactionary and superficial, it's not really going to cure the, the problem because, yeah. you know, it's systemic issues. that, Like, uh, I've been fascinated with um, controversy over in Singapore. I don't know whether you've been following, um, they had that uh, MP. Uh, because now they have an opposition leader, their first opposi- opposition yeah. leader, Pritam Singh. Yeah. And so what happened was, she, he, one of his MPs, uh, what's her name? Raisa Khan, I think that's her name. She had like did a, she commit, like she said a white lie while she was giving a speech in parliament, right? She basically said that she had taken a, a lady to the police station because that, that lady had been raped and the police had not attended to her and they had ignored her. She gave that speech speech during like a like a Women's International Day kind of event in the parliament, right? And so the government, they said we were like, that does not sound right. Give us the details. And she's like, oh no, I have to protect the, you know, the privacy. No, just give us the date. So he gave the date. The government checked. There was not even a police report filed on the day. So they started pressuring her. Give us more details because this is a serious thing. We need to look into it. And then she admitted that it was a lie, right? A white lie. Because what had happened was she was a sexual assault victim. She had gone to a support group and she had heard the story in a support group. But she had sort of phrased it as she was there. Mm. Okay. Simple. I mean, it's a big thing, but at the same time, it's a mistake. You know, our politicians have done much worse. Yeah, (laughs) But because it became complicated because Pritam Singh knew about it right and he his position was like you're a sec- assault victim i don't want to pressure you uh you do what you have to do but because he was so weak so the government is like you if she had continued lying you were going to condone it that's a crime and he's like of course not i would have you know stepped well, it's, in it's,
1: it, i mean i've not done any yeah. due diligence into this whatsoever but it just sounds pedantic
0: yeah yeah you know because
1: way. What's the root issue here? If she heard it in a a support group where someone actually faced this, then there's an issue, no?
0: It is, but we don't know. It's not verified. It's not verified. The point is that... In fact, when she prepared her speech, the the workers' party, they actually have to circulate their speeches for comments. And so, Pritam Singh actually circled that part and said, where's your, like, verified?" footnote you know yeah so
1: basically for them as singaporean politicians they understand that things everything is going to be taken to the the cleaners and analyzed and i think taking to the cleaners is a completely different metaphor but (laughs) it's basically going to be scrutinized to a t yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah. so
1: i guess it's a different dynamic here because here you scrutinize to a t so sometimes it doesn't matter Yeah,
0: exactly but the point is like this is like a major scandal in singapore they're they starting criminal proceedings against Pratamsi. It wouldn't bat an eye. It would not bat an yeah. eye. But I'm just talking about like the maturity in policy and whatever it is, right? We need to strive for that sort of mature
1: politics. I don't know whether I would call that a mature politics. It That's like, it.
0: dude. If that is their scandal.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. But, but it's also, yeah, true. But to me, when I look at that, it looks like they, they got here because of um, pseudo dictatorship.
0: Uh, the only reason yeah. you
1: get to that is because you've destroyed any other any kind of semblance of competition. Mm,
0: mm, 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 mm.
1: It's an iron grip without looking like an iron grip.
0: Yeah, yeah, true, yeah? true.
1: So I like immediately it's like I understand. I okay, it's an issue and then all of that. But at the same time, like yeah, something doesn't feel right about yeah, it, that becoming a that becoming <coughs> a national issue.
0: Yeah, definitely, it sounds like they are grasping at. So, you know, they are trying to blow things out of proportion like for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, that's true Also. so. Yeah, so it's like, okay. Uh, I guess the government is like, hey, you just accused the police force of not doing their jobs, mm. right? So that's yeah. where Singapore is coming from. And then they wanting to be first world and developed nation and all of that. And they cannot stand for this, right? It's like <laughs> all of that. So I can see where they... they. But, it, you know, it's so hard line. It's so hard line. Yep, yep, this yep. is like... You, so you, just you make out, just, you know, ask her to come out and give a public apology, that sort of thing. But here, here in Malaysia, um, people can break SOPs and nothing can happen <laughs> to them, right? If you're Dude, a particular politician. You could have like, Teresa you know, remember that thing happening
0: in parliament? Someone called her, you know, making oh, fun of her plen- name. There are
1: plenty of, yes, there you are know, plenty You know, the
0: racial of- stuff, the powder stuff. Dude, even the Tosa thing I felt was weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, we've had such crazy things happen in parliament. But like, for me, it's just like, you you should really watch the because they had an inquiry mm. because um, it's a, basically a, a a thing to lie in parliament. It's a it is a crime, oh, right?
1: This was done in parliament.
0: Her yeah, her comments were in. Uh, parliament. Sorry, I
1: thought it was a, a, a women's day speech or something. No, no, like that. it was
0: on like a international women's day, so she was giving a speech, but it's in parliament.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. all right. So, so it's, now I can understand. Um, that being an issue, lah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is, I think they also supposed to take oath or something like sure, that. For sure, yeah. So
0: it is definitely a crime mm. to lie in parliament. But so they did an investigation. But the crazy thing is, like Preetam Singh was like interviewed for like 16 hours or something like that. I mean, it's really mad. It's mm. really mad. But anyway. Yeah, just do you ever feel discouraged at the state of politics? Do you ever feel like I think a lot of people were defranchised after Pakatan fell. <sighs>
1: Hmm, and I I empathize with that, but at the same time, at the same time, that is how unfortunately coalitional politics works, right? Because freedom to associate is entrenched there, and now there's a I think an anti-hopping party bill, anti-party hopping bill. It's a bit weird um, because the problem is not stopping people from associating with each other, but it comes under this. As a MP, you have the right to associate with any party you want. Go forth. But as a voter, if you switch your allegiances to another party, I should have the right to re-vote you in. Mm. right? So if you do that, recall elections mm. so that you show that you have the mandate. You have to show people that you still have support for switching parties, yep. not banning people from switching parties. Yeah, true. You know, that's again, that's another problem because there are all sorts of things that can happen there as well. So if suddenly if your party does something you don't approve of, you can't leave yeah. because you will, what what happens then? What happens if you want to leave your party? Yeah, right. Do you have true. to resign your seat? Then okay, like then maybe there's a by-election. You have to run again, but why not just? I, I I haven't read the full thing there, but essentially from the conversations we used to have, because this is a conversation we've had plenty of times on BFM <laughs> when I used to be there, um, talking about recall elections and uh, proportionate uh, proportionate seating, um, all these things. There are many different ways to reform parliament uh, to make it more equitable and all of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of the politics, am I am I um, what was the word you used just now? Uh, am I discouraged? Oh, Defranchised. D- 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 am I discouraged? Um, it depends on the day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess over the long term, I do I do believe that this fluidity is important for the maturation of, um, of the political scene because now the lines have been quite crushed because sure, you can point to Joho and saying that, yeah, Barisan's back. But at the same time, 52% of the vote uh, of uh, voters were there, um, the, the the opposition wasn't really united at that point. So maybe it's a wake up call to them. Uh, maybe it's a, but it's sure uh, sure uh, galvanizes the Barisan base as well. So we'll see. I mean, the only true test will be the next general election. That's the only reason, way we're going to see what the new lines are because we don't know what the new lines are.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and I mean, you know it doesn't just happen here. I mean, it's happened happening. Uh, governments change in Italy, but, you know, do you remember the time we made uh, people were making fun of Australia for having three prime ministers in five years? Yeah, yeah. That is coalitional politics. Boris Johnson is in power because of a similar situation, except, um, I think it was, yeah, because, uh, was it Theresa May? Theresa May lost support in, in parliament, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Because of the EU stuff. La.
1: Yeah, so, this is, this is part and parcel part, part and parcel of the coalition of politics. Um am I discouraged? I, I don't know, la. Really, it's sometimes it's like, I have a very complicated uh, <laughs> I think relationship, A, lot of, a yeah. lot of
0: us do, La man. A lot of us I do. I
1: want to be okay. I am hopeful. Mm. But I've sort of normalized myself to the to the baggage that we deal with on a daily basis here.
0: Like if you see the news the next day and like someone like shouts something derogatory in parliament, it's not even shocking.
1: Yeah, it's like okay. I used to have to read this every day at five in the morning. It was <laughs> not pleasant. Um, I hope so. I just I'm I'm hoping that more parties start. Okay, one that the opposition gets its act together because again, I don't care who ultimately wins as long as they give a fight to each other and a challenge. Yeah. Because the reason, um, the reason we've come to this point is because there was one party had absolute or one coalition had absolute power essentially essentially effectively absolute power for so long that they were able to change things how they wanted and things were things were ugh, entrenched behaviors were entrenched uh beliefs were entrenched but if you had a situation where you know you have uh one coalition for one, two, one, two semesters plus one two terms <laughs> and then another coalition then that way even the civil service can operate independently yep yep not yep. having to not having to worry that hey shit if these fullers come back in power, how? Yeah. Right? Because the civil service is an independent body of the politicians. Yep. They sh- they need to be able to operate in a way that is irrespective of whoever is uh, the government of the day. Remember, that's a, that's a real term, huh? government <laughs> of the day.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah you know,
1: yeah. these, they're not, they're not supposed to have power forever and it's not supposed to be just, yeah, anyway.
0: I, re- I was watching, I am watching pull up many, many years ago, I was listening to BFM. Uh, I think it was like a bit of culture or something like that. Cam mm-hmm. uh, Raslan, right? Oh, yeah, who is actually one of my 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 people that I look up to. Ah. I really enjoy a bit of culture. Uh, and I think on... I still remember it very vividly for some reason. It was at night and Sherrod Kuten was a guest mm. that night. And he was talking about how he had like, I think, a run-in with someone who sort of kind of, I think, berated him or scolded him because that person had expected him to be more political, to be like more of an activist. And then Shinar was talking about how like it's weird because he's just a broadcaster. He's Mm -hmm. just a dude going about his life. He's not, you know, people have this, people project this, they expect him to be like in Datran Merdeka protesting with everyone. They just have that image of like-
1: It's a, a, what's the word? uh? It's a pigeonholing of criteria, right? It's basically a stereotype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That people do
0: you, yeah. but did you face, face that as well?
1: I think you face um the minute you are on the when you are with BFM, uh for the most part, you do have that or your opposition. You know, there is that vibe. Bangsa
0: bubble. Bangsa bu- oh yeah, bangsa bubble <laughs> is a
1: big thing. Um <laughs> that you're only that you are biased towards the opposition or Pakatan Harpan or whatever is that that, that coalition that... basically anti-Barisan. Um but that's not necessarily true. And then you have, uh, and then, you know, part of our job is to, and, and there were some presenters who had to do this who got a lot of hate for it, but had to be devil's advocate, yeah, right? So no matter, and it's always the job of, in the studio, you have to recognize where the, you talked about balance earlier. The reason we established that balance is because we have to balance each other out. So I, my beliefs stop at the door, hmm. right? I come in, how do we have a balanced conversation about this topic? Um, and my beliefs will inform of course, but it's sometimes if someone's like we're berating something but I will try and bring in a devil a devil's advocate situation of like, yeah, but true, but um but what about this, and oh we're looking at it from this angle that I've done a lot of that that's it um there are also like just because something uh what's the word uh, we sometimes um not strive but sometimes overcorrect by Giving everything false equivalence, which is a very Trumpian thing, hmm. right? Hmm. You know, you can talk about real issue, but Trump will say, "But what about this?" Right, right. Those two things are not equal. Yep. That's an issue for sure, but that's not the same as what we're talking about, sir. So let's talk about this and focus on this issue. Right. right. There are. Uh, Two things that don't have to be mutually exclusive, and two things yeah, don't yeah. necessarily have to I be equal.
0: I, can, I think I can give an example. Like for example, someone would be talking, uh, um, questioning Trump and say, "Oh, you know, uh, what about your accounts? Uh, are yeah. you going to release your?" Da-da-da? Look at Hillary. Yes. <laughs> Crooked Hillary, right? Yeah. And so you deflect and you talk about something which is true. Maybe Hillary has the issues, but what that's has that got to do? Correct. With your with your accounts? Yeah. Actually, Trump was an expert in that.
1: Oh yeah, and that's why he thrived, right? Because yeah. he's such a good deflector of any kind of accountability and responsibility um and it is very he suited a certain role and i guess we'll never really know <laughs> i mean there's going to be plenty of books that come out in favor out of favor depending on whether people were fired let go whatever you know like of what happened in the white house uh, but there is a picture that's being painted like, that isn't really pretty mm. um but yeah, who knows what's actually going on in the head of his. Um, because a lot of it did seem very tactical. Um, very, very good at avoiding uh, Teflon Trump, like, basically, you yeah. know, just not not letting anything stick. Um, and also he realized that basically what Trump did that was so damaging was realizing that a lot of a lot of things in American politics and politics at large were very um Principled in the sense that it's not entrenched, it's not out, it's not written, but it's like a, a gentleman's accord, right? Mm, mm. It's an unspoken rule, and he's like unspoken. I don't care about unspoken rules. Mm. Take it. Well, I'll take it as far as I can, mm. right? Things like, um, oh, Mike Pence can actually overturn the election. Yep, that's not actually a thing, sir. But uh, <laughs> but it's not something that stops him from saying things. And it, I think people like to think he's stupid, but. I don't know, sometimes it feels like he's, it's intentional, right? It's all tactical.
0: He's not... I don't think he's stupid, but he's... Uh, I think he's an entertainer, for sure. And he has a bit of a... He
1: should be in a wrestling ring. That's where he belongs.
0: He was? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. He needs to be uh, Vince McMahon. I think yeah. he needs to establish his own wrestling uh, entertainment. Uh, I think he would do well in that. Yeah, maybe um, that's what Trump media should, should focus on.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um, he had... A very. It's interesting I'm talking to you about this because he, Trump had a very interesting relationship with the media. <laughs> a very interesting Fair. relationship with the media. Because a lot of the media hated Trump. But a lot of the media needed Trump. Because the moment Trump left... Oh,
1: corporate, numbers, corporate media, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, the CNNs, even the ones that were criticizing him, he gave them content. Yeah. He gave them content to talk about. And so it's so much so that, honestly, if you really want to deal with someone you want to really get rid of them right the best way is to just stop talking about them mm. right then, honestly that would be the best way if you just erase them from the psyche of people's minds make them irrelevant but you still have media outlets talking about trump because it sells
1: it's controversial yeah but that's also the state of media right because unfortunately uh, bills have to be paid yeah bills yep. have to be paid we've gone click throughs and it's about clicks and views and all of that um uh, Media, You know, you may see uh, the presenter on stage or on the screen, but don't forget there are probably 15 people supporting that that individual from makeup to lighting to engineering to artists, uh, sorry, to uh, producers to uh, graphics. Mm. These are not cheap things to do. I'm not justifying what they've done, but corporate media is the way it is because they need to make money. Uh, Revenue needs to bring in. And unfortunately, the media landscape has become so tough because... Um, ad revenue is down because uh, advertising no longer monopolized by traditional media. Yep. Uh, Facebook and Google have uh, kind of created a, thrown a wedge in the entire, and if you think about old school media, right, that was in itself a monopoly, right, because there were gatekeepers. There were gatekeepers of information. Um, the old school tech and social media companies were media and cars. Mm-hmm. Those were the two most Lucrative, most powerful industries, uh, especially print, about radio as well, because there was no alternative, right? Um, and technology of the time was probably uh, cars until the computers all came to play. But so, yeah, so coming back to that, incentives have been blurred. Um, people are focused on catering to the base, um, but also, also having an activist view. I think that's where it's come into. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess also you you find people to you know the anchors themselves and the presenters may actually believe what they're saying, right? But you hire them for a reason, yeah, to do that to
0: push a narrative, lah, like, definitely
1: yeah, to push a narrative or what they believe to be true and. But
0: you know, I feel like it might be in the short term, you know, it might um be beneficial yeah. to the corporate but also structure. The
1: American, uh, the American examples are very extreme examples, lah. Like. True. True. True, you know, true. Those are you know, like you can use CNN and like if you take an average, right? Whenever you do math and you do averages, you remove the outliers yeah. because they are not representative. You would remove CNN and Fox. Uh, actually, you would remo- remove Fox first. No, you would remove M- MSNBC. You, you Fox. would remove OA, OAN first, actually, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, you remove these these outliers and then look at the rest of the, the data set, mm. um, because most of the media companies, yes, they have to cater to certain things, mm. but it's more likely that they throw softballs than than having to mm. uh, ask really tough questions. Um, so the Trumpisms, unfortunately, is in search engine op- optimization thing. Yeah, yeah and yeah. also people like watching uh, the saying right? People like to watch uh, car accidents in slow motion. True. That's very true. It's why people like watching wrestling. It's entertainment. It's, it's why... It, the it's news became entertainment.
0: Entertainment, 100%. Uh, I mean, that's why people are obsessing over the Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock thing. You know, yeah. people just like to see it. People like... I It's like a shock kind of thing. You know? Yeah.
1: But also, I guess that that's also what happens when discourse opens up. Yeah, I mean, you and I are sitting here and talking about things like we're experts, but really, like, who are we, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%.
0: Um,
1: where else, like, I do still have a great respect for a lot of the professional broadcasters on there, irrespective of their views, um, who have to do the job they're doing, um, sometimes at crazy hours, uh, sometimes under a lot of pressure and a lot of scrutiny. Sure. Um, and it is... But with that now, everyone is an expert. Everyone has an opinion and yeah. everyone will chime into the discussion. So if everyone chimes into the discussion, the news story becomes longer. And then sh- if it becomes a news story, then shouldn't the news continue to cover it? And then it becomes a little bit of a cycle there.
0: Yeah, right? yep, yep.
1: It also depends what your editorial is. If you're there to cater to what people, what you think people want, then unfortunately Twitter trending is going to be the place that you go to <laughs> look at that, right? right? Or what you believe to be the place to look Um and I remember learning this I mean BFM, and I'm not trying to say that BFM is high and mighty or whatever, but mm. it was, it's not so much that you have to balance between what people want to hear and what people need to hear, right? And yes, that comes with a certain level of narcissism as well, but the reason people listen to BFM is for a particular uh, focus on analysis, on like, because if not, we just talk about politics every day, but we have to balance it between actually talking about the about the economics and business, uh, bringing in different conversations as well, and, um, yeah, it's just about having that the, quote-unquote BFM voice, right? Or it, that's unfair to say because each show has its own voice. Mm. So it's about having the morning run voice, the evening edition voice, the enterprise voice. Each of them represent a different demographic, a different uh, target audience, a different group. Um, enterprise is very focused on the SME, the, the self-employed, the enterprises out there, the startup space, which is very important to Malaysia. Um, morning run is focused on the more... Businessy, more serious things because you know people are going to work. They want to be informed, and how do we compact this in a way that is digestible? Yep. Um, evening is people are tired; they come back from work. Yes, we want to be informed, but at the same time, please don't kill us with sadness. You know. Yep. Um. But it's it's the treatment is so different. Um. I'm not sure how I got to this this point in this conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, but we're, we're no, talking about, about media, media and
0: the relationship. Like, um. I remember when Utusan like sort of shut down right and mm. there was a, a a moment like where that happened right yeah. and uh, this was in the days where i used to post on social media post on facebook my thoughts because i thought the world needed to hear it now yes uh, don't worry, i did the same thing <laughs> so I, I said something along the lines like you know i'm sad that utusan closed down because i don't read utusan i don't generally believe in most of the stuff the the content that is uh, published on utusan but I believe that all those people who used to read Utusan are now going to look somewhere else for their for for their needs. Mm. And I felt like, and I, you know, I got like a lot of pushback because of that post. Like one girl, I remember, she commented. She said, uh, "Not uh, Hitler had a platform." <laughs> you know, she said that Hitler had a See, platform.
1: I honestly, <laughs> seriously dislike it when people do that because one, you are in, you are also you are diminishing the. the the destruction that Hitler did number one the evil that is Hitler by comparing his platform to Utusan first and foremost but again false equivalence false equivalence it's like you cannot do that there are things that are way worse right? it's like okay lah maybe we aren't as plugged into the Utusan narrative and what they were saying Maybe. You know, I I'm, I can honestly say I didn't read Uthussan. Okay, wait, no. That is wrong. I did read Uthusan in the mornings because we had to read all the papers. Uh, but I can't remember what I read yeah. at this point. Um, but it was a sad moment for journalism. I know a lot of journalists who were uh, we'll let go. Who, who were sad. Yeah. Like, even when people didn't work at Uthusan, right? There right. was a recognition of like uh, like basically fallen compatriots at this point. Yeah, uh, Fallen comrades, sorry. Um, but then they came back in a different form. Um, Journalism is a tough space. It's it's
0: like, if we don't dialogue, Mm. if we don't engage,
1: what's
0: what's the point? You know, it's just going to manifest in
1: weird ways. But I guess the reverse to that would be, is there a dialogue to be had with a particular media company and then they shut down, right? Would they have listened? Like, how is that going to play? No, but even
0: like putting your uh, hand on the pulse of what
1: those uh, views are yes, yes. That's so. That's why we read all the papers because we wanted to see what each paper, what which exactly each, what the editorials are. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it's also important to if you're American and you're trying to get a sentiment gauge, you watch Fox News to kind of see what's going, what's the conversation there. Yep. Then you watch MSNBC and CNN to see what the conversation is there. Yep. And then you try and average it out. But um, yeah, it's I I, that, I I do believe I do relate to that point because it is important to know what's happening outside your bubble outside your circle in the different societal uh tracks
0: yeah then that that nazi comparison happens a lot and it's really crazy you know i had i had another um because i'm a lawyer by profession so one of the big like battles going on now between the older lawyers and younger lawyers is a about remunerations, right?
1: Uh-huh.
0: About salaries, especially for people in cham- uh, chambers, for 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 chambers, um, because there's no basic. So a lot of the older um, um, lawyers, their view about peopleage is the way they did their chambering back in the day. Mm. For them, it's like apprenticeship. Mm. They feel like you know you are coming in, you're getting paid less for the training that you are getting. The younger lawyers feel like in this day and age that it, it really just doesn't apply anymore because younger lawyers are working really hard and they are not even being paid enough to survive. Mm-hmm. So one of, uh, Thomas Philip, it's a law firm in uh, Hatamas. They're quite well known now. So Matthew Thomas Philip is like on social media a lot, posting all the time. So he posts th- this view of the older lawyers, right? So, you know, it goes viral like crazy among lawyers and this one I was going through the comments and people are just mad right but I remember seeing one I, I can already imagine but yeah yeah. and I just remember seeing one girl's comment it's so funny she said you are one to talk you're a
1: slave owner I'm like what again again <laughs> again diminishing the actual cruelty That went into (laughs) actual slave owning. Now, not to say that there aren't parallels to today's modern economy because there is basically forced labor or basically uh, bare minimum slave labor because people are barely paid and this is mostly foreign workers in menial jobs, right? That is a completely like, wow. And also like,
0: you know, this is a guy who, you know, he's not he has a outdated view of the world. Yeah. This is far from being a bad dude. You know, he's actually really progressive. Before this, he's, he was posting about trying to do like four-day work weeks. He opened up a, a like a library next to his firm. Anybody can go in and, you know, use the books, like a community center. Mm. He's done a lot of like progressive stuff. You know, you pick on this one yeah. issue and you take it to the extreme
1: yeah, but but that's always the case, right? So again, that one comment is an outlier. So yeah, we, should, we should discount that outlier true, true, outlier true. comment. Um, but when I look at it, essentially, like, see, now, I'm completely ignorant yeah. about the, the workings of the inner legal system and all sure. of that. I uh, know, the legal system, I understand. <laughs> uh, lawyers, circles, and things like that. So yeah. remuneration, chambering, all of these different things. The ultimate question, so now coming from the the bit of the, the business, economics uh, uh, point of view here, or business owner point of view is, um, what would happen if they said fine no more chambers no more chambering students right. what would happen then if you say if you insist on us paying you more then we just stop what would happen then who needs who more because in life in employment it's leverage Yeah. who has more leverage
0: that's a very interesting question
1: it's always demand and supply right yeah. that's economics 101 so if the older lawyers or the senior lawyers need the uh, what are they called chambees the chambees yeah chambees more than the other way around then the leverage is with um with the chambees yeah. so that's the relationship that needs to be fought out because if the chambees have more power then they they're, I'm not endorsing or saying anyone should do anything, <laughs> but in theory, on a purely academic hypothetical like situation, union, you no, you just stop or you just strike right. out. You or, you'd organize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, a, that's what he, you just the said. The
0: only way that would be effective is if every B said
1: no. Correct. We want this basic there was a uh, there was but unfortunately it's probably fragmented
0: the bar council is freaking out right now they release a press statement tomorrow (laughs) Yeah,
1: Um, but you know it's I mean that's just that's how any kind of economic situation works unless the government gets involved policy is set in place because the same a parallel can be had for something like uh, five day work weeks which were once upon a time non-existent and it was work till you die right seven days a week or eight hour days became a thing why because um there are many different stories about how this came around, but basically policy came into play, right? Yep. It was thought to be beneficial. Um, I think one of the parables, uh, uh, one of the stories is that essentially you need people to stop working to spend money, right? That's also how the economy <laughs> keeps thriving. People need to spend ah, money.
0: Here we go, the capitalist structure and work yeah, again. <laughs> yeah.
1: But you know, that's 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 how it is, right? Like right. Um, you need people to, your income is someone else's expenditure. Yeah. So remember that. You are getting your income not from thin air. It's coming from someone else's expenditure. As a lawyer, you're getting it because someone else needs legal services and it's being paid to the firm and distributed down. Unfortunately, it does seem that a lot of it gets trapped further up the scales. And that's not something that is only in the legal circles. It does look like it's happening in most entities now.
0: But there's, again, even with that, there's nuance in discussion. Yeah. Because the top have the majority of the risk while the bottom
1: correct the liability essentially belongs to them because it's a partnership structure correct?
0: sure dude even for me to do this podcast right uh i'm like it's a startup you know and for me to get help uh for me to get to to build it up i would have to spend money and it's not easy you know and i guess especially if you're starting from zero um and the question is uh when you become successful, why are you penalised? I guess that's where the other side of the argument is.
1: Always. And it's it's always down your perspective. Um, Mm. Do you understand the business owner's perspective? You know, you can talk about, you know, everyone's talking about wage inflation. It's happening now and it's a good thing. Sure. But, you know, corporates can pay that. The big MNCs will be able to pay that. What happens to the mom and pop shop? Yeah. The small businesses may not be able to afford the changes in, and that's not to say wages shouldn't increase yeah but well, there are ramifications that are beyond our sometimes we don't see the butterfly effect sure um and what happens if so the corporates will take the wage increases and then they'll pass it on in pricing usually yep. that's what happens mm-hmm. right sure. um so it's it's a super complicated but at the end of the day i guess it comes down to everyone has to fight for their own um their own positioning, right? We can't expect everybody to have different. So the chambering students will fight for what they believe to be right for them, uh, and then the the uh, the partners will do the what's right for them.
0: Maybe the bar council will mediate lah, and then so, some
1: mediation, and then eventually at some point, yeah, someone will have to get like something. Will some kind of balance may be established, but it may not be fifty fifty, know I I'm
0: again I'm also not following this so strictly, but I do think that. They are close to... Um, no, I think they already have... Yes, a few weeks ago, they passed Uh, uh In the... Uh, um, I actually don't even know the right word for it. But we didn't... The league... um, Because the legal profession is regulated. Yeah. So we have our own set of rules to follow. So there has been a new rule that's been incorporated that there is a basic minimum wage for... For... Uh, for... For Chambis. It mm-hmm. just... It's been like, I think, four or five years of younger lawyers sort of going to bar council and talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And
1: And that's, that's how things get done, right? Essentially, um, civil rights and all of that all stems from activism. Yeah. Um, Not to say that all is uh, successful, um, but that's um, part and parcel of, I think, most things, right? You, not all startups survive, not all activism movements win, um, but you do what you can. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I guess it's a really awkward end to my sentence over there.
0: (laughs) No, it's like, (laughs) We, again, I think a lot of people think that an easier solution would be for like a nanny state Hmm. where the government sort of does everything that is good for the people. But I feel like even though that's an easier solution, but I always am cautious about giving power
1: to the state. But the other question is, are you willing to pay for a nanny state? Are you willing to have forty, fifty percent income tax?
0: Yeah, that's true. That's another thing.
1: Are you yeah. willing to? You know, there are a lot of there are a lot of nothing. No, not nothing like Again, there are false equivalences in my statement here, but I mean, for the most part, there are no such things as free lunches. Um, not every, not anything comes for free. Most of these nanny states or more socialistic states are probably in uh, Eastern Europe, or not Eastern Europe, but uh, Scandinavia. So your Norways and stuff, which are freezing. Do you want to live in Norway? so it comes back in in my view in my opinion it always comes back to demand supply how much the government thinks it needs to do for its people in order to keep its people happy or to keep people coming in Mm. if people are continuously emigrating to the US does the US government really need to change the way it's doing its Mm. things right Mm. because demand is still very high for its Uh, for a place there and this may sound very ignorant so again this is not my area of specialty Mm. what i am using is basically demand supply principles which may be not entirely fitting into this but essentially it's all down to leverage and relationships you know um governments will do (laughs) governments will do what they no i mean that's the idea
0: behind sanctions you, yeah. you you sanction a state, you cut out supply and you you the the idea is this state will be incentivized to change their behavior
1: correct. because they're not getting what they need correct right? that the pain eventually will 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 enforce uh, the 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 stick instead of the carrot essentially mm. mm-hmm. um yeah that's essentially it, government policies are like that as well they want to incentivize certain behaviors in their mm-hmm. people and and disincentivize certain behaviors um people who Uh, Governments that want their citizens to have lots of kids will have policies to have like three years maternity leave and (laughs) paternity leave and all that sort of things Mm. because that's part of their Mm -hmm. goals. Economically, they're willing to support this kind of by maybe subsidizing the corporation that's taking this on. Whereas countries that aren't worried about these kind of things don't care about these kind of things.
0: I mean, actually, your career now is very uh, entangled with personal responsibility. I mean, personal finance, right? Yeah about people taking ownership and being very purposive in the way that they manage their lives, right? You're basically sp- telling people to not just use, you know, get your money, spend it. You're telling people like you need to take control and start asking yourself, how do you want to live your life in like 40 years, 50 years? Yeah. Right, yeah. right. I mean, like I've listened to some of your stuff and some things you don't even think about. You don't even think about inflation <laughs> when you think about the future. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Like when, um, Then yeah yes it's personal responsibility but I always try to acknowledge people's own like psychology and baggage because Mm. each of us come from a different situation so one solution the ideal solution may not fit everybody right so again coming back to there are multiple routes to get where you want are you willing to pay the additional tolls take the additional time uh, to do something uh, take a route that is more within your preference right I don't want to take on debt to buy a car because went bankrupt because of car debt you know these are things that really impact people's uh people's psychology so when you go so how do you relate to the client uh and get them to uh i mean relate to the client get them to talk to you and then empathize with their situation and then then how do you bridge that gap to their goals right so a lot of times it's like okay um this goal is quite it may be unrealistic so how do we this is how do we taper this down and the, the thing about inflation is a lot of times um People do forget. So I'll say, uh, I'll say okay, uh, my first question uh, when a client comes in for our financial planning uh, package is like, um, how much for retirement? Like, how much do you want to live on uh, in retirement, right? On a monthly basis. Uh, and then a, a quite common answers I get like eight and 10,000 yeah. bring it a month. Um, now, we haven't even inflation adjusted that. And then when I start inflation, adjusted, when I adjust it for inflation and then do an annual number and then give them the number of how much sum you need. And this is assuming that the money continues to grow in retirement by at least 5% uh, because EPF average rate of return and um, that inflation is around 4, 4% on average, which is a bit higher than the standard uh, average rate. But again, better to earn a set of caution. Most of them are shocked and most of them have to bring their goal down. Mm. Um and that's because we don't take into consideration inflation. But also, I think there is a, there is a, unfortunately, there's a little bit of not romanticism, but this idea of like retirement being the golden ages. I'll be able to uh, do the things I couldn't do when I was working. It is, you can do the things time wise that you couldn't do when you were working, but not necessarily monetarily wise, monetarily. Um, because if you couldn't afford a Ferrari when you were working, you're not going to be able to afford a Ferrari when you retire unless you specifically plan for it. Mm. Um, your retirement is supposed, is going to be, um, you're going to be, I, re- realistically, you're going to be spending less money on a monthly basis in retirement than you were when you were actively making income. Mm. So that's the thing. You are saving now for the future, but there's also a limitation to how much you can, And and a lot of times we don't do that math. And once you do that math, you now have a benchmark. You now have like a, okay, now I understand the variables at play and the kind of realistic situation how do I get there? Or what can I do? Okay, manage my expectations. Fine, that's one. And then two, okay, how do I... Is EPF going to be enough? Okay, not necessarily so. How do I... What do I need to do otherwise to achieve those goals then? So it's about bridging those gaps and then fitting that in with other goals like buying houses and buying cars, um, uh, having adequate insurance coverage, that sort of thing. So how do you bridge these... Oh, children's education funds. Um, So a lot of times I have clients who come in and they have... uh, not lofty, but you know they're they what they want in retirement uh, on a monthly basis to spend is more than their current salary. Emilia, I know this is not going to work. This is not possible. I mean, it might be possible if you're extremely frugal now, right? If you're doing over fifty percent savings ratios, maybe we can. The I I can't do the modeling off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. I would actually have to take out the spreadsheet to do it. But mm. um, but essentially, it's kind of how I guess the the psychology behind it, mm. um. But yeah that's part of yeah that's the kind of job it's talking to them. It's a lot of um relationship management as well,
0: yeah, there's a lot of psychology behind it like, like for myself personally uh, I've had friends who have told me that, you know that I should only be spending on like, my credit card because of, you know it's you get your cash back it's you know you money for money's worth and all of that, but I personally don't feel comfortable with a credit card,
1: and that's the most important thing, yeah right and
0: so. one of the reasons why I don't feel comfortable with a credit card is because uh I work in a firm where but a big part of the business is bankrupting people.
1: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So I,
0: you know, I have access to documents where I see people spending patterns and how you can just go one weekend and spend ten thousand. You just swipe, 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 swipe. Yeah. And it's just
1: you can't do that on a debit card.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I feel like safer. I feel like it's a forced. It's like it forces me to live within it's my a constraint.
1: Right? Yeah. Um, and see. That Russian is a great example of personality, and that there's no cookie cutter method. Mm. Again, the most optimal way would be spend everything on credit card and get your cash back. Yep. But is it realistic? Yep. Is it reasonable for you? Yep. Um, to anyone who's listening, the book I would highly encourage you to read is called "The Psychology of Money" by Morgan Housel. Fantastic read, one of my favorite money books because it acknowledges these differences in our psy- in our psyches, in our backgrounds, in our in our how we grew up. Uh, another book uh, is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Favorite book of all time. It's mm. So good. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so acknowledging what works for you. Mm. Personal finance people they can say all they want, oh, you track your money. But if you're not actually going to track your money, then what's going to happen, right? Mm. So if that's the situation, then find a mechanical situation that's not the most optimized version, but works. And I can tell you what works for me income minus savings equals expenses. Keep it to this, right? What does this mean? It's a super vague Roshan, Like, seriously, explain. All right, I'll explain it myself. Income comes in, deck out your savings automatically, whether it's one ringgit, five ringgit, ten ringgit, fifty ringgit, hundred ringgit, thousand ringgit. I don't care. Start somewhere. Take it out, build that habit, and then the rest of the money in your bank account, spend it. That's, your, daily, that's your, your monthly allocation for expenditure. Yeah. But take your savings ratio out into a separate account, whether it's a, uh, you know, Maybank has the tabong now, whether it's in there, whether it's in a money market fund, whether it's in your investing platforms, whatever, take your savings ratio out straight away so that the rest in your account, you know, is meant for spending. Now, the caveat comes here, of course, is, oh, what if I want to buy a phone It's going to be 4,000 ringgit in a year or whatever? Then you have to create a new fund. You have to create a sinking fund for that and save up to that. So at the start of the month, in that savings portion, now a portion goes towards buying that phone. You do this, you don't have to do the pain of going through every single expense and tracking it. Now, I track expenses and do this at the same time because I'm a nerd. But um, that's a very simple way. It's Basically, it's a workable way. And I'm trying to find workable ways for people to do things.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you say to people who say... I just don't want my entire life to re- to like revolve around money. I just don't want to be every time I go to the shop. I'm calculating every time I'm you know I'm oh, calculating that, and that's
1: why. So that's why this method takes that out.
0: Right, right, right. So right. now
1: you you do have to keep tabs of your bank balance and be like, um, hey, uh, this is a certain amount you have to you have to make this work. You don't have to obsess over it, but you do have to manage it. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. It's adulting, that's what I suppose. Adulting, yeah. Um, and it's resource management. No matter what you're doing, you're either managing your time, your money, your your health, your your food intake. All of that is resource management. It's mm. part and parcel of life. You have to do it. You don't have to obsess over it, but you have to do it. There's no two ways about it.
0: One of the things that I've been really fascinated about is, and I, I was talking to you a little bit about this before we started recording, FOMO, right? Huh. There is uh, this fear of missing out, you know, because, I mean, Bitcoin was a big one, right? Tesla shares. You know, things like that. We feel like, oh, you need to buy it. You need to buy it. You need to buy it. Now it's NFTs, Mm. right? There's always this fear of you losing out. And um, I wonder, it's an interesting phenomenon, right? Uh, I guess, again, it it actually parallels our conversation earlier about comparing and wanting to fast track everything. Right? Yeah. And I wonder, do you have that with your clients and how do you deal? Oh, how,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, Because again, uh, people don't know where to benchmark. Mm. If you if you don't know how to calculate your goals, like your retirement goal, for example, then you're not sure what to benchmark and it's all about just getting as much money. Right? Or how to get that fast, how to get that fast. When in reality, fast, quick, quick millionaires are not the populace and they're not the... The representative. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's not something that is. Um, doing it takes high risk, and I are you truly, really able to take that kind of high risk? And also, if it doesn't turn out, you could destroy your entire life by going the wrong way with by betting your life life savings and things like that. But yeah, FOMO is a big problem. Um, because everyone wants to compare. Um, no, that's also too generalized. So I'll take that back. It FOMO is a problem because everyone is kind of so plugged in, but you also again, when you don't know how to benchmark, you don't know how much you need to get, how much you need to save, how much you need to grow, um, what kind of rates of return you need. Mm. And then because of that, everything seems like, oh, I want I need to get the best opportunity possible. You need to find a way that works for you. Right. And I'm gonna tell you a story. I think I've I've written about this before. I had Apple shares in 2018. Right, that had already, I think, 3X to 4X by that point. So I made a ton of money at that point. But, and when a ton of money, I mean it's relative, okay, to the fact that <laughs> yeah. the amount of capital ah, I put in. Roshan
0: is a millionaire.
1: <laughs> I wish. I wish. Um, because uh, because also a lot of the gains, I had lost after that because right, I thought right. I was suddenly this hotshot investor <laughs> and it's also nonsense. Right. Um, so I made a lot of money there. But what happened, what happened was it, Apple charts became such a big, portion of my net worth
0: yeah so you freaked, if, you would have freaked you out la.
1: so much concentration risk anything happens there anything changes you could and then suddenly trade war and trump and all these different things i couldn't sleep at night yeah i couldn't sleep at night now now if you can't sleep at night because of your investments it's definitely not in line with the risk tolerance so you need to review that right um not official advice to every single person watching this but generally a very good red flag to watch out for yeah. um so i had i reviewed I sold down my Apple shares because I couldn't tell the valuation. I wasn't sure what I was doing. Um, I got lucky in a lot of ways with the Apple shares. Yes, I thought I knew the valuation and things like that, but a lot of it did play out quite well, right? And sometimes we 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 mistake luck for skill in investing and a lot of things in life. Yeah. Um. Don't and investors in particular suddenly think that one big win was all oh, skill. Maybe, but don't discount luck in your in your investing victories.
0: I've done cases where. Uh, Contra losses, uh, contra loss cases, right?
1: Oh. So,
0: clients take, uh, sorry, uh, people, customers. Yeah. Customers take facilities from the bank yep. to trade. Margin. Right? And they lose everything and they end up owing these institutions yeah, guys, please, loads please, of Please, Please don't take
1: margin. Um, millions, yeah.
0: right? Millions. You know, millions. And it's crazy.
1: Yeah. Contra trading, T plus two, all these sort of different things because you think you can make a quick buck. Yeah. Um, there are many people who bought Top glove at the high, and now it's God knows how much lower than that. Mm. If you don't understand an asset class, or don't understand uh, an asset or an investment, don't put more than you're willing to lose, yeah. and be honest with yourself how much you're willing to lose. Because what you're doing is not investing; it's gambling. Yeah. You are now gambling if you don't understand the asset. If you don't understand, if you don't, if you can't do a valuation model on Facebook shares and decide whether it's overvalued or undervalued because of its growth and its income generation, da da da. What are you doing buying the shares then, right? Oh because the ticker will go up the stock price doesn't matter um the stock price is just a one representation of the company's value right uh, market capitalism again, we will get into we could get into the weeds here, so I'm not going to go too deep into that yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but essentially the the key advice here is that if you don't understand how to value an asset and or an investment, you're basically gambling, and if you're going to do that, don't do it with mom with money that you uh that you you can't afford to lose. Yep. Right. Um, that's basically what it comes down to.
0: <sighs> man, I feel like we've covered a lot.
1: We've covered a lot of ground. We've I've also just realized it's been like two hours or so. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, we should probably end now. Yeah. Uh, but it yeah. was a good convo, man. Thanks yeah, so yeah. much again for coming
1: on. Part two, Roshan. Part two.
0: Uh, yeah, we should definitely do a part.
1: R-squared two. R squared squared. <laughs> yeah,
0: man. You know, I actually had an early podcast idea. Um, early early on I was th- I thought of like because I think at the time I was really into Rick and Morty oh. so you know the Citadel of Ricks yes right so I was thinking well, what would it cool if I did a podcast episode with like four or five Roshans the Council of Roshans <laughs> the
1: Council of Roshans <laughs> I think I called Roshan Jabrock, and then you have a you print out a picture of Roshan level 25 as well
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay so anyway
0: uh, for the listeners of the podcast uh, two things number one I have not posted an episode in damn long. I'm so sorry. I've just been really consumed with work uh, and a lot of things have been going on at home. So I always say I'm going to post consistently, but really I'm going to try better to post consistently. Okay. Second thing is I'm going to try and change the way we end the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to do like recommendations or or final thoughts. Uh, now we will do... I don't know what this is. It's like I wrote... A few questions. It's supposed to be to, like...
1: To quote Roshan, he said these are zany questions. It's
0: supposed to be zany questions, but it's not really. This might completely fail. But let's see. So, Roshan, you're going to pick one and then you're going to...
1: Rabbit out of a hat? Yeah. Okay. Just let's, pick one. Let's pick one rabbit. Okay. Unwrap it's ears. What, what, what do you have? And the rabbit is telling me the question is, thank you, covid Right. Thank right. you, COVID. That's a good it. one.
0: So what are the things uh, that you're grateful for that has come out of COVID? It can be, uh, in, it can be like on a macro level or in your own like, personal life.
1: Okay. So again, acknowledging the fact that many people suffered during COVID and all of that. Um, what, I, what I guess one of the things that happened during COVID for me was uh, my career did accelerate during that time because we had to do split shifts. So immediately uh, my airtime went up because I went from, uh, I went, f- yeah, immediately I was on air with, uh, my, with my more senior colleagues immediately. And that really did push a lot of things. But also uh, for the personal finance and ring and sense side of things, the podcast really started doing a lot. I mean, spiked, I guess, because I guess people wanted to learn more about money during that time. So career wise um I was very fortunate to have a little bit of a slipstream there. Um life wise uh I'm not really sure um because it all seems like a haze right now. Hmm. Because I know a lot of people were stuck at home but we were still working right because it's just services and we were covering all sorts of different things when I think about covid um especially when my bfm time it was um very very um what's the word a bit of a haze. <laughs> but I am very grateful for a lot of things, you know, like um, BFM did a lot of things to keep us on. You know, it was a tough time for the company. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then uh, we, there was, a, I guess there's a lot of gratitude towards people's patience. Um, yeah, again, my career was, uh, had a little bit of a boom at that point. Um, but yeah, that's really it, man. Because other than that, I think COVID was just so bad.
0: Yeah. It's I mean, so but you imagine you're going to be able to tell your grandkids one day, you know, yeah, you yeah, were a yeah. broadcaster during a okay. freaking so pandemic. I guess, I
1: guess that's a great point you bring up, right? So as a broadcaster, as a, like to go through those different things, that was, I guess, not a milestone, but it was, it was an interesting time. It was yep. a crazy time. That's what it was. Yep. And then during that time, because the government was so unstable, the content that we had to produce, the content that we were focused on, the the analysis that we were doing was so Weird, so interesting because <laughs> yeah. we were going through unprecedented times every day, yeah, yeah, every week, every month. There was something new.
0: It's like most people were dealing with, in I mean, in terms of other countries, they were dealing with COVID. We were dealing with COVID and also the, unstable government yeah. at
1: that point. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I would probably wouldn't say thank you, COVID, but <laughs> at that point, yeah, there was a, there it was a little bit of slipstream for me uh, in terms of being on air a lot more during that time yeah. uh, because we had split shifts.
0: Brilliant. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Great conversation. I hope you consider coming on again.
1: Oh no, this was a lot of fun. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I'm not sure who's listening up till this point. (laughs) But if you are, thank you so much for your your time. Yeah, but you know, if you want to hear me back on, uh, if you want to hear Roshan and Roshan again, uh, let us
0: know. Dude, also
1: your plugs, man. Oh, um follow me on Instagram and Twitter both are at Roshan Karnison. uh Roshan without the E so it's R-O-S-H-A-N K-A-N-E-S-A-N that's really it just follow me on Those two platforms. Oh, and if you want financial planning uh, services for an affordable fee, uh, Ringer Plus Financial Planning.
0: Nice. Uh, You've been
1: listening to
0: Roshan Gomez and Roshan Kanesan, and we are hoping that all of you are staying good, staying healthy, and staying safe. We note that it's past 1st April, so things have opened up, but calm the heck down, people. (laughs) Control (laughs) yourselves and behave, all right? Peace.